On this episode of the Star Wars Time Show, Matt will kick things off with a special guest interview of GTP Toys' Michael Wheeler, one of the creators of the iconic Space Walls in Disney Blessed Tanty 4 playsets. After Matt is done talking to Michael, Nick may drop in through the Force to discuss the final episode of The Mandalorian Season 2. Yes, the one where they did the thing Matt believed they never would. Once Nick gets back to his holiday boozing, Matt will wrap with a talk about Mando's BTS series, the latest Vader comic, the Book of Boba, and the last round of Mando Monday collectibles. He'll then wrap this week's fan segment featuring responses to the question of the week and, of course, the top five Star Wars artist features of the week. Cue it, Chewie. Whoa, 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 not so fast, you walking carpet. Matt here, everyone. Just wanted to give everyone an update and a happy holidays message for episode 142. And the reason you're hearing me before our excellent March song is because I want to let everyone know that due to having a special guest and then my boy Nick calling in remotely, the audio quality of episode 142 isn't quite up to snuff. But... I think you'll still enjoy the show. It was a great interview with Michael Wheeler from GTP Toys. And obviously talking about the Mando S2 finale was excellent. Check it out. Sorry, Chewie. Now hit the music. Everybody, welcome back to a brand new episode of Star Wars Time Show. And you're probably going, what the hell did he do with Nick? Is Nick dead? Did Nick leave with Luke Skywalker on Gideon's capital ship? No, no, fear not. Young Nick is still alive. He's still here. He's taking a little holiday with the family, but fear not. He will be calling in later on in this show to break down the Mandalorian. Uh, but before Nick is here, I have a special guest, someone that I believe a lot of you, a lot of the Star Wars Time Show fans in particular, those that do the toy photography, those that love to blow all their money, all their hard earned dollars on little pieces of plastic. I think you'll enjoy our guest and that's what we're going to lead with. So the way the show is uh, going to kind of play out today. Obviously, it's going to be different. We don't have Nick to start. We're going to do the interview with uh, Mr. Michael Wheeler from GTP Toys, the creators of the Space Walls and the new Tantive 4 playset for one twelve scale Star Wars action figures. And then hopefully we can bring Nick in on a remote. We'll do our usual Mando powwow, right? Because how can we not? The finale dropped in Oh my God, the feels, the force feels were strong in the rescue. And then Nick's going to drop off because he's got to keep his alcoholism going. And yours truly will finish with this week's segments and take us into the now infamous Star Wars Time Show fan segment where we're going to address the last question of the week. That was at least directed towards the Mandalorian. And of course, go through the top five Star Wars fan artist features where we may see some space walls. 
All right. So speaking of space walls, I'm going to go ahead and, and bring on my guest here. Hopefully nothing blows up because we all know how the technology works here at the Star Wars Time Show. Uh, anytime I push a new button, I could uh, very much likely destroy the live stream. So let's switch over to Mr. Wheeler here. There he is. Look at him. Hey, Michael, how's it going? Welcome hey guys. to the Star Wars hey, Time Show. Hey, on your show. Uh, no, I, I appreciate the time. I know we've been trying to get this going for a few weeks now, uh, thanks to the our unofficial PR person, and that is young Spencer Barron, a.k.a. Barron's Black Series. Uh, it looks like he's actually in the chat now, so I'm assuming he is on break from his real-life job. So welcome, Spencer. Here's some of the fruits of your PR labor here. We got um, Mr. Wheel here. Like I said, so... Mike, for those that aren't in the know, let's just kind of set up who you are, all right? Michael is one of the creators, as you can see if you're on the live stream here, he is one of the creators of GTP Toys. And their specialty, at least their initial specialty, and correct me if I'm wrong, Michael, was uh, creating a product called, um, creatively called, Space Walls. I'm assuming they were called that way for a reason, but these space walls, those that are in the know, that they were... Uh, Very legal reason. Yes, yes. These space walls were, I'm telling you, carbon copy clones at the 112 and 118 scale of what you'd see in a Death Star's interior. Right. So the very the very clean, the very sterile looking gray walls, the doors, the, the lighted walls, you name it. GTP toys produced, in my opinion, the cleanest, the sexiest versions of these walls. OK, Michael, um, because we know other people have printed them. They're out there on, on Thingiverse and whatnot for people to print. Uh, but to me, as someone that has used your products, the space walls, I, I don't think the quality, uh, the quality you guys put out, GTP Toys, is not rivaled by uh, what you may see by just someone with a 3D printer at home. Um, so thank you for that. And, and we'll kind of get into why maybe the space walls aren't available uh, right now. But before we get into space walls, Michael, I, I kind of like to uh, set up at least our listeners uh, with when when we do have a guest kind of frame the guest and, and get their their star wars fandom figured out first right this is okay. the star wars time show after all and yes while gtp toys specializes in star wars products let's first learn a little bit about michael wheeler and his his star wars past you know maybe maybe the fandom led him into this career who knows but that's kind of like where i like to start let's figure out who michael is as a star wars fan uh, all right michael like is this <clears throat> fandom is it is it lifetime like someone like me that that loves it so much they decide to start a podcast in their basement or did you come into star wars later in life um, I've been a lifetime fan. Um, and so it's really my love between star Wars and Batman are kind of the, my two. Um, plus I just love toys. Um, but I really got back into it uh, 10 years ago when I started building stuff for R2D2 for the uh, builders club. Yeah. I, I saw and your profile, which we have up right now, if people want to read it on the live stream, but yeah, it looks like 
you kind of got into this through another hobby and you were you were designing and or fashioning parts for the r2d2 builders club correct correct so i got to build some really cool stuff you know like this is one that hopefully we'll see again in some other shows um but it's his uh his hd arm it's fully articulated and uh you know so it was just really fun and when i started building some of these things then i started getting contacts from other people who had contacts from other people who were able to like send me like you know access to photos that nobody else has so i could get the details just right um and so you know just really building a lot of cool things i love building things i used to work for a, a military tech company for a lot of years um so i had a lot of factory connections and friends with factories and so it's like, well, let's build this. So, and so Michael, what is your, your background in then? I mean, are you an, an engineer, like a mechanical engineer? Is this, I mean, do you have your degree in this type of stuff? Or you just, you know, like some people these days got on the internet, taught yourself, kind of learned the ropes and figured out how to fashion, as you just showed us an R2D2 claw arm. Um, a bit of both. Like I studied, I studied engineering in school then switched to international business, got a job in engineering. Um, and you know, but all the, uh, the 3d modeling and things is kind of self-taught. Um, and so really my strong point was kind of doing the modeling and then having the factory connections. Cause I used to live in Hong Kong and China for a lot of years. Oh boy. What, how'd that happen? Were you, did you serve? Um, Were you in, in the service or just felt like living over in Hong Kong for a little bit. Living over in Hong Kong for a few years, pick up the language. Then I came back, went to school. Then I took a break, moved to Taiwan for a little while, taught English, moved back to Hong Kong, tried to get some things going on over there, came back, finished school, so, got a job at a tech company, you know. So you've had a, a hell of a journey, man. I mean, that sounds like an exciting way to kind of end up doing something that you you love. I mean, do you do you work outside of GTP Toys or is this is this the main gig at this point in time? Right now, it's the main gig. It's a really hard gig right now. Um, it's been really hard. Uh, getting the Star Wars license was really expensive and it really put us way behind on everything also we haven't been able to talk about a lot of things right um so it's been hard that way all right so yeah kind of back to the the star wars stuff i mean uh, not that i was surprised but a lot of people that that kind of shape their lives around this franchise typically are lifelong fans uh i i guess at this point in time and we just had the mando end what is your favorite film and or trilogy in the Star Wars franchise? I guess we'll stick with movies at this point. Because it's hard to like top Mandalorian. Although without I know, the original trilogy, you know, it's hard not to love the original trilogy. And it's hard to pick between the three of them. Um, but if I had to not choose those, because those kind of seem like a cheat. I love Rogue One. Yeah. As far as outside the trilogy, Rogue One was the best Star Wars film that wasn't 
trilogy. And that, I mean, that's kind of the consensus we've heard from other fans as well as other people I've, I've interviewed. I know work more or less. I'm sure you've, you've seen his work, Jason. Yeah. He's the same way. Rogue one, our buddy, sir dork. I mean, he's, he's a fan of menace guy, but he, he's a little younger. So we, we give him a pass <laughs> on that. Uh, but yeah, rogue one does seem to be the, the gold standard for the Disney's approach to the films, at least. Uh, I know Solo has 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 gotten more popular with people after they got over their odd boycotts over TLJ and whatnot. But yeah, uh, yeah, Rogue One definitely kind of stands out. I mean, I don't know if you're a huge sequel trilogy fan. I'm definitely not one of those people that likes to piss all over it. But I will say it, it when it was all said and done. The trilogy did not flow the way I think many of us wanted to. Each film on its own. <laughs> yeah. Each film on its own, you know, has some some good moments. But the trilogy as a whole just kind of doesn't uh, pay off the way we thought. All right. So he's a he's a rogue one guy. How about how about characters? I mean, is there a character? Were you someone this past Friday that could not stop the emotions coming back because of you know who's return or do you have another character in the star wars franchise that really stands out as like no that's my guy my two guys i have two obi-wan kenobi mr hello there R2-D. there you go so the art like, the r2 moment probably was a was a big one here in episode eight of the mandalorian right yeah, yeah it, that one got me too. I mean, obviously, Nick and I will get into anytime this. he's in there. I, I was really excited. I'll tell you a fun little off-topic story. I when they were doing the first of the sequels, um, uh, the Force Awakens, uh, the guys over in England contacted me. They said, "Hey, we want some parts. You know, here's an NDA." So I sent them parts for R two, and I was so excited that I had these parts sent over that they were going to use on R2. So excited. See the movie and R2's in it for like five seconds. <laughs> they throw him under a blanket <laughs> and it was, it was crushing. I've never gotten over it. Yeah, well, that's a pretty, that, that's a cool little story though. I mean, the, the fact that we will get a little bit of feedback here, but the fact that you uh, contributed to an R2 model from a film. So, even though he might not have got a lot of screen time, I mean, that, that's a nice little feather you could stick in your cap. I mean, it's a great story to tell. Uh, none of us schlubs here in the chat can say that we've had a, a hand or an indirect hand in a actual Star Wars film. So look at you. All right. Sticking with the with, with the franchise. Is there a moment across the three trilogies or the standalone movies that really stands out as like, Yes, this is why I love Star Wars. This is why I'll be a fan until I die. Oh, I would say one of my favorite scenes is not even from any of my favorite movies, but is the the Anakin Obi-Wan battle, which made the whole prequels worthwhile just for that battle, that confrontation. Gotcha. That's the, the Battle of the Bros on Mustafar. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a huge moment in the franchise. I, I'd argue that some of the stunt choreography is a little wonky if you really look at it. It's a lot of like rave, you know, glow stick dancing. But yeah, I mean, it's a huge moment for, yeah. for the characters and 
thanks to the Clone Wars and some of the Vader's comics. I mean, a lot of those prequel movies have been enhanced greatly, in my opinion, uh, especially the character of Anakin Skywalker. Because, I, I mean, I don't know how much history you have with listening to Star Wars Time Show, but I used to be quite the prequels hater. I mean, I, I had dissertations. I had I had my theses, thesi created for why I did not like, uh, especially Revenge of the Sith. But I've gotten over a lot of that thanks to the final season of Clone Wars. So, all right. Okay. I mean, how about, is there any, any of the films, the trilogies that don't sit well with you? And I, I think I have an idea where this may go. Ugh. You don't have to get in and like, you know, you know, start a fire with Disney and Lucasfilm. You can pass, but <laughs> yeah, you know, so it's like, I don't know. Like, I know people get blacklisted and I, that's I fine. I'm careful to, uh, to say too much in detail, but. All right. Well, I, we'll give you a pass. Yeah. We'll give you a pass because of, you know, all that cashola you had to fork over for that license. So, um, last three were kind of didn't, didn't hit the mark for you. How about that? Yeah. There you go. It's not, it's not what anybody wanted. I think. Yeah. You never know. I don't think there's anyone that's like, yeah, this movie was for me. It was like, no, this movie kind of was like, screw the fans and like, let's do something else. And everybody else was like, why? I don't want this. What is this nonsense? Yeah. I mean, it's a, they're, they're definitely controversial as the prequels were when they came out. You never know. Time heals all wounds. Uh, you yeah. know, 20 years from now, there could be people talking about the the greatness of the sequel trilogy. But I, I will I will say that what they were setting up in TFA while while it mirrored a new hope, there was promise there. And then they decided to give the next one to another writer and the next one to another writer. And that just doesn't make sense when you have three artists trying to tell a cohesive vision when, you know, they're all going to be artists and tell their own vision. But we'll 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 leave that dead horse lie at this point in time. Let's just all be excited for all the TV series. Yeah, damn, that are damn straight. And that's like all you people like, oh, Mando, say, get the hell out of here. Uh, <laughs> Disney gave us Mando, too. So all you Disney Star Wars haters, wake the fuck up. All right. They, they do some good but, stuff, too. You got to take the bad with the good. You can't just pick and choose. Not everything's a winner. Yeah. Uh, speaking speaking of Mando, it is the best Star Wars of all time at this point, right? It, oh, yeah. It's 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 more Star Wars than Star Wars. Right. I, and I, I heard you. I think you're initially and you're kind of like me. Uh, us. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming we're in the same generation. I mean, I, I just turned 40 this year. You may be uh, a bit younger. You know, I mean, you're you're 41. You're, you're a handsome, handsome gentleman. So. Uh, I, I like me when I when I think about this now, I really do have to kind of always add the caveat of, well, the original trilogy started it all. It created the sandbox. But what mm -hmm. the Mandalorian is doing in said sandbox, I think it has in just hell in one season blew our collective minds. And now two seasons in, it has cemented itself as probably the best Star Wars storytelling ever. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'd imagine even Mr. Lucas himself would probably be like, yeah, my protege is is doing a pretty damn good job. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, all right. Awesome stuff. Be on the same page with that. So, I mean, we, we kind of covered this. I mean, your, your fandom, maybe not directly, but it, but it helped lead you down the path to your current career of creating toys for Star Wars collectors, pop culture minded type of people. 
Um, so when when you when you decided to do this, you know, you're 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 making parts for R two. What was the decision like to be like, you know what? I'm going to throw throw my hat into this ring. I'm going to start my own company. We're going to make toy sets, toys for Star Wars fans. Like, what, what was that like? I guess, what was the genesis of that? I mean, was was it really the just... Pl- it just kind of like got out of hand, to be honest. <laughs> um, it was really like the new Black Series figures just started coming out. And so I started collecting them because they look so fantastic. And so then now I'm in this situation where I have, you know, these stormtroopers and all these characters. And it's like, well, what do I do with them? Like, I love to open them up. I play with them. They sit on my desk. And then it's like, well, I can't have 100 figures on my desk. Where do they go? Says who, Michael? Says who? I bet there's a lot of people with 100 figures on their desk. Sorry, go ahead. Well, at the time I worked at the, the... the military tech company. So it was like, you know, a few figures were oh, okay. okay. Yeah, at, at, I got you at work. It, that's acceptable to not let the fandom yeah. go crazy at home. It was still like, where do I put these? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's great. Like in an office, like I have tons of toys all over the office, but um, just like at home and it's like, well, I wanted to just have like a nice, background basically like a shelf liner is what when they first came out they were meant to be a shelf liner like put in the put it back behind a shelf or in a bookcase put your figures in front of it call it a day that's it and i I wish i got that note because i can't tell you how many times i've stressed trying to set up a scene using the space walls to make it look like something a one six shooter or work more or less a black series could do. Cause it, it would, I, I would be a lot less stressed out if I just, Hey, you know what Michael said? I can use all his lovely walls, just put them up there in the background and then line up my figures and forget about doing the damn pictures. <laughs> I didn't even know there was toy photography at the time. <laughs> I don't think a lot of us did until about 2016. That seems like when this hobby just was like, Oh yeah, by the way, this art form exists. And boom. Yeah. Just like, came up and everyone's like, well, how do I build scenes with these? I'm like, build scenes with these, put them on your shelf, <laughs> move on. Right. Thank you. And then they started doing these fantastic photos and really, you know, it was that community that really kind of, you know, brought us up and led us to like, Hey, we want this, we want that. And it's like, okay, let's do it. So it's kind of a, a symbiotic relationship. I mean, you, you initially, the, the initial vision was, I, I just want to display my figures in a much cooler way than just standing them on a desk, putting them in a case. I want to, you know, I want to make it feel like they're living in the universe that I fell in love with and collected these damn things in the first place. Uh, but th- thanks to toy photographers, and, and there's some very imaginative ones out there, that's kind of how the, the Space Walls product line started to expand? Yeah. And then we got, you know, got out of control. And, I mean, it's really expensive to do what we're doing, too. So, I mean, you get a lot of people complaining, but it's like, we're not 3D printing parts. Like, I'm building aluminum, right? ABS-injected tooling. Like, we have huge costs involved, and we were still trying to be like, hey, like, we're still, you know, we, we're not trying to gouge people. It's expensive. Yeah. It's like if you compare it to 3D printed walls, it, we're like $3 more a piece than something that's 3D printed that you have to paint yourself and just won't have 
you know, yeah, that's actually the, we had a question from the live stream here. It, it's you. So you are doing plastic molded injections then. Oh, yeah. Yeah. OK. Yeah. One of our fans, Tones1138, was asking because uh, he used to set up machines and presses for car parts for Nissan and Land Rover that, that, oh, cool. that used a similar process. So. So, Michael, do, do you guys have your own plant at this point or you do all this in your house? I mean, where, where the hell are you building these machines at? So space walls, I have a really good friend for the past ugh, 15 years who his family, they own like a plastic injection factory. Nice. Um, just kind of north in of Hong Kong and Shenzhen. Um, and so he initially built the first tools, everything at cost. And so that really helped us get everything going. They're really fantastic. Um, I love working with those guys. Then when we signed with Disney, what kind of happened was they said, yeah, these are great. You can't make them like this anymore. <laughs> you can't sell them anymore because they're not licensed and you can't sell licensed things with unlicensed things. Um, and so they're like, this is, you know, that needs to go. Oh boy. Even like trading post, they're like, can you change galactic? It's like, no. Oh wow. Like, All right. So like, can you go buy GTP toys? And it's like, I suppose. Um, so it's been really hard and we haven't really, and we can't write anything about that. Gotcha. Um, I guess before we get into more of the Disney stuff, because right. I, I, have, I have questions on that, but <laughs> the, the, this Hong Kong connection, is this a, a buddy you made when you lived over there? Yeah, and I used to run production for the military tech company. Okay. Um, and so I speak Cantonese and Mandarin, so I have a lot of friends over there and, you know, just from living there and stuff. So you are and a so genius then is what, what, what I'm figuring out. I mean, you can do all this crazy engineering. You can speak multiple languages. I mean, most of us idiot Americans can hardly even get the English language out, let alone Mandarin and Cantonese, like you said, which I imagine is some of the more difficult language to pick up. I mean, I dabbled in Japanese way back in eighth grade, and even that was like, holy shit. The Asian cultures, I mean, they have like 18 different ways to write a, a number one and their letters are this, <laughs> their letters are one thing. And they also have the calligraphy. It's different. So, and I know that's different from Mandarin and Cantonese, but it's, it's all similar. Hey, yeah. hey, people, you're listening. You younger fans out there. Are you listening to Michael? You see what he did with his time in his, in his twenties and teens. He's out there living in Hong Kong, making connections, running factories that, down the road helped him start his GTP toys and obviously the space walls project. So right, Mike, Michael, it's, it's, it's all about keeping those connections alive. Don't burn yeah. bridges is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um, all right. So uh, you've kind of talked about some of the major roadblocks and it sounds like Disney and Lucasfilm has been the, uh, the biggest outside of obviously uh, cost to get started dealing with customers that, you know, feel like custom made stuff should show up the next day as if it was available at Walmart. Uh, but is, are there any, like, is, is there a major roadblock that you can remember when you're first starting where you're like, ah, oh, this is it, man. We're, we're not going to be able to do this after all. Um, pre-orders. 
Um, you know, I'm, you know, the John and I run the company. John's my little brother. I always say little brother. I think he's like 38. So it's like, <laughs> like, oh, my kid brother. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he loves that. Um, so it's, I mean, it's really expensive to build sets and we have minimum order quantities. And so it was, I mean, we got to a point where it's like we were taking orders, we were building the tool and we were getting to the point where it's like, we need to build more parts. And it's like, we don't have any money. Pre-orders are like trickling in. So it's like, Oh, well we can't start it yet. So it's like, then you're pushing back production and you're waiting for the orders to come in. And that, um, yeah, that almost killed us right in the beginning. We almost realized, like, what what do we do? Like, we don't have enough to build parts. And yeah, so it's, it's like the really just the the capital issue, kind of keeping a cash yeah. flow going as you're outputting money to ramp up production, but you know, sales might not be coming in to kind of cover the 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 back end and additional costs. I I can imagine. I mean, I, I look at people like you and. Uh, have a ton of respect for for having the cojones, as they say, to to do something like this because it is risky as hell. I mean, you, you don't know. I mean, look what ultimately happened. You did get Disney on your ass eventually, and we are kind of getting to that point of the interview and and, and what's what why that happened and and kind of what's happening now. Um, so uh, can you elaborate on the new deal with Disney and Lucasfilm? I mean. I know you you touched on it a little bit about, you know, how it started. Did they just come to you and like, hey, guys, this has got to stop. And then that's how the licensing deal came to be. Or did you actively go to them like, hey, I want to go legit or be as legit as possible. I don't I don't want to always fear being sued, this, that and the other thing. But how did how this come to come to be? Um, Kind of. Yes, that. Um, it was, you know, living in fear of like, we don't have the license, like, you know, any day we're waiting for like a, a letter saying, you know, here's a lawsuit, stop making your stuff. And so, you know, really we were trying to ramp up and be able to do more sets and do more things. And, you know, just every time we did an ad, it was like that stress of like, oh, is this going to get us in trouble? Like, is this, is this where the lawsuit comes in? And we wanted to expand it. We wanted to do more play sets and, you know, people, I think people were was really liking the original space wall sets and it's like, well, let's, let's expand. But I couldn't expand in like with the pirated kind of parts <laughs> in the gray, the gray area yeah. of space walls that happened to look exactly like something else because we got like, blueprint plans leaked to us at one point (laughs) they were like spot on yeah right yeah yeah. someone just had a really uh uh was that a a really good memory right they 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 they, kind of remembered some of the the measurements and whatnot yeah something about something (laughs) so is there ever a chance they're coming back under a different name or um Spaceballs as Spaceballs won't be coming back, but we will be producing Death Star Walls. Ah, here we go. Uh, now, it kind of it's kind of going to lead me into the next part of the conversation here. Is it going to be more like the the Tantor 4 playset that we're going to talk about or is it still going to be 
the old quote unquote space walls, but now they have the official moniker and you can, you know, get the starter kit. You can get the, I don't know what they're called, like the, the, the circular post, you could get the, the door, the lighted door, or, or do you guys have plans for a whole new line of official Death Star walls? They'll be similar. Um, so, so here's the big issue that we haven't been able to like really say is the original space walls because they like clip together lego owns the license for things that are modular oh my god look at this look at this licensing my friends the legal ease is insane anything that is modular or clips together Lego has a license. Even if it's not a Lego brick. Because, I mean, your clips are literally... You know how different the original space walls were to Legos. Yes. There's not any... No. You, we use yeah. literally clips, people. Those that have bought these, like myself, they're little orange clips you put on the back to clip them together. Wow. Lawyers are good. Lawyers right are good. There next to that one, Hasbro has a license for playsets. So if you can play with it... Then it's a playset. Gotcha. And so, you know, first Disney was like, pass. Like, we don't know what this crap is. Next. And luckily, uh, the guys at Lucasfilm were like, whoa, we want this. Oh, okay. This is cool. We want All this. Right. And so the, Disney was like, okay, well, let's talk. Um, and we went through and they said, yeah, we, you can do your space walls, but you, they can't be modular the way you have them. So that was a huge bummer because we have, honestly, $180,000 in tooling for space walls. Do you have any inventory yeah, any sitting around too now? No, we've been, so the past like year or so, we've been just trying to sell off what we had left over. And so that's why people kind of complain, like when are these going to be back in stock? And it's like, well, we can't post anything about that. Got we can't address it unless someone sends us like a personal message. So that's been really hard. They're mostly gone. Um, if you contact John, he has like some things lying around, different pieces that he tries to get to people, but they're kind of gone. But now they're just called gray slabs, right? Just gray slabs. Yeah, gray slabs. So you heard it here. If you can find John, ask him for some gray slabs and, and see what you get. It may literally be just a rock that comes in the mail, but you did ask for a gray slab. All right, Michael, so getting into the, the, the Tantive for, I guess, yeah, display set is the, the legal way to call it, right? Mm -hmm. Or at least on the website here. I got it pulled up here on the live stream. Those of you, if you're listening online or, or just the audio only, you can sp uh, pull up spacewalls.net and you should get the site. And this is your, your active product right now that you are taking pre-orders for. I know yours truly right here has got a pre-order in. Uh, I can remember, Michael, I'm, I'm sure you guys were like, oh, those sons of bitches. Uh, but Hasbro earlier this year revealed their 118 scale Tantive mm -hmm. set. And I remember on this show going, God damn it. Why can't we get 112 scale action like this? Because they made the 118 of the uh, Bespin Carbon Freezing Chamber set. They made the 118 official Tantive set. And then lo and behold, I think it was a, a month or two after that reveal, here comes the GTP Toy Boys 
with their own now official set, blessed by the Pope at Disney, blessed by the Cardinals at Lucasfilm uh, for production. And, and like I said, I have it up here on the live stream. You can take take a, a gander at it. But this thing, Michael, has to be your greatest creation yet. Am I right or am I wrong? I think it's amazing. And I think anyone who has it on pre-order, I know a lot of people have been asking to see like the actual model. Um, they're going to be so blown away. It looks so incredible with figures. I wish there was like some way I could show like what the model looks like with figures, but there's really not a way. Um, I haven't got that approved yet, but if you look at the picture of my baby in the background, oh, there we go. Um, there's a, uh, but I can't show, I can't show the model with figures. Gotcha. So. Gotcha. Yeah. So if, if people on the live stream, if you, if you looked behind them for a second, those are just some action figures, nothing else. All right. But no, I mean, so, so I have it pulled up here. Uh, those aren't in the know. This is a one twelve scale set designed to look just like princess Leia's ship that she was on in a new hope. Right at the beginning, when our man storms through the door and kicks some ass and doesn't take any names, uh, it can hold up to 30 figures. It's got a hundred plus static and blinking LEDs, probably my favorite feature, uh, because some of the other sets were static lights, and then my lazy ass in post would have to go in and uh, try to make them look like they were glowing. And I'm not very good at Photoshop type of stuff, so I love anything practical for certain toy photographers like me is, is ideal, you know? So I, I appreciate the lights. It's going to be 36 inches long. So this will be a beautiful display set. Uh, but more importantly, for those of you that are good at toy photography, unlike myself, just uh, the possibilities will be limitless for the scenes you can now recreate or cook up on your own. If you check out this set, and uh michael you're all you're, you're still taking pre-orders right yes um the, the set's gonna run you 199.99 uh, i do not think that is a a lot to ask considering what i've seen some other custom dios go for i mean we're talking double this price and they're not officially blessed all the fun stuff, right? I mean, I guess, Michael, when something is officially blessed, it's going to be as as picture perfect, authentic now as possible, right? Yeah. So it is, you know, when we're in the collector space. So this is an official collector's. I don't even know what the word I want to say. Um, it's a collectible. There you go. It is on its own. Yes. Without any figures. It looks so amazing when all the lights are on. Um, you have, you know, if you remember what it looks like and you look back, you got, you got these red panels that are lit. We have the LEDs inside, the lights inside will be blinking. And it is just so incredible looking. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad you said that because you are right. I mean, this thing, yes, it's being billed as a display set. But itself, this set itself is a collectible. It is a showpiece. This is a piece, even my friends that think I'm insane for still buying toys at the age of 40, would come in and be like, holy shit, that is awesome. It is. It's like, it's like a piece of art to me. 
I'm sure I'll fuck it up by trying to take pictures with figures with it, but don't, don't take my, my photography as the, the true form of what this set should be. It is, as Michael said, a collectible itself. Uh, has it been going well for you, Michael? I mean, are, are you getting the, the type of uh, sales that you hoped for? Has Disney put like a, a limit? Like, hey, man, if you guys don't make this, then beat it type of deal or, or what? Honestly, it's been much slower than we kind of thought. Um, and we intentionally went with the Tantum Four first instead of the Death Star walls because we already had, you know, a few thousand people who have bought the space walls right. or Death Star walls. And it's like, well, I don't want to put out another set that's like, hey, this one's now official. It's very similar to what you already have. So we're hoping that we would have some of our customer base kind of help us out, uh, get some of those pre-orders going. And it's been really slow. It's been really hard to get things approved to post. What Disney has to approve everything we do. So if I want to post a picture on Instagram, I have to send it to Disney, get the text approved, hashtags approved. Um, if I want to put... If I want to put figures in front of it, I have to get Hasbro's blessing to oh do that. God, um, oh, lawyers ruin everything. No longer what GTB used to be, which is just like, let's do a sale today. I don't know, 40% off just for today. Why not? Like post whatever you want, say whatever you want. Now it's like, oh, I got to plan this weeks in advance, get all sorts of permissions. It's yeah, it's been really a challenging time. I mean, ultimately, I, I, I really hope it, it really pays hope off for you guys because this stuff, as I said, stuff, is, as art I said itself. is art itself. Uh, and it, it seems uh, like they're really putting you through like the ringer to, to, to get where you are. So all you lazy-ass fans that haven't bought this yet, get out there and drop your $199. And that's coming from me. That's not coming from Michael. You know me. I'm a little more in your face. I took the plunge. I'm excited for this. Why aren't the rest of you? Come on. Let's give GTP Toys an SWTS sales boost. Look at this stuff. Be really helpful. <laughs> I mean, you know, Michael said it here. They have other sets planned. But they, they need the community's help. They need other artists out there. Buy this stuff up. You, you know, we are. you know, you don't want your figures sitting there against your your crappy looking white wall. You want them displayed in this lovely looking collectible from GTP Toys. So get on it, get on it, people. Help them out. This is another Star Wars fan living the Star Wars dream. Okay, he took his his fandom and funneled it into a product a productive and hopefully down the road lucrative adventure or venture, whatever you want to call it. I'm sure it's been an adventure. Um, Definitely an adventure. So is it something to where, you know, if this doesn't hit Disney's expectations, are they dangling? Do they, do they threaten you? Or are they like, hey, GTP, if, if we don't see results, this license could go away? Uh, yes. Okay. Because they have, I mean, they have like their quotas they need to make. Right. I mean, they also take like a big chunk, like up front. It's like, well, in case you make no sales, we're going to take a big chunk. Are you and it's a big chunk. I'm sorry. I, I'm like, not laughing at your predicament. It's just, 
I don't think people understand unless they've worked in corporate America or have been in some other form of business, just how hard it is to do business with huge licensors like Lucasfilm and Disney. Cause they, I mean, let's be real. They got you by the balls. They can dictate any term they want and you just kind of have to take it. Right. I mean, there's yeah. Sure. Contract negotiations were great. (laughs) They're like, we can tell you right now we're not changing anything. Yeah. So go ahead and look after it. Like, right. go get your lawyer, like, look after it. Like, let me know if you have anything you want to change. But we'll tell you right now, like, unless you're Lego or Hasbro, we're not making any changes. Uh, and it's like, well, I guess it sounds good then. <laughs> you got to like those types of nego- aggressive <laughs> negotiations, as Padme likes to say. Oh, man. It's like, well, do you want the license or not? And I'm like, I'll take it. <laughs> Well, Mike, I, I really do hope it pans out because I, I'm not kidding. Like, I'm not I'm not blowing smoke up your ass. Uh, Michael, they, they didn't give me one to to have them on the show. I, I've I've purchased it with my own hard earned money uh, because it is it, it, it's a work of art. I know I'm helping a another Star Wars creator and I know in the end it could make my uh, amateur toy photography taking ass potentially look better. Uh, so I'm I'm all I'm all over GTP toys. I have been since I realized they were the ones behind the space wall. So I remember, you know, as a lot of you probably scrolling through the early days of toy photography and you start seeing these things and you're like, holy shit. How did they do that? Like, wh- where'd they get that stuff? And then you, you track it down like, oh, space walls. I got to get them. And, and if you look at the Tantive again on the live stream, I mean, quality wise, we're talking leaps and bounds above the space walls, which were already tip top. Uh, as I said before, I mean, you can tell a 3D printed wall versus the injected system that that Michael and, and the GTP team uses. And it's, it's well worth the extra cost, in my opinion, because 3D printing is awesome. It's easy. It can be cheap, uh, but the quality just isn't there. And if you're... Uh, kind of a, a non-artistic person like myself, the idea of painting shit after it's been printed is not fun at all. So I'd rather pay the premium to good guys like uh, Mike and his brother, Michael and his brother, John over at GTP toys and get the type of quality we're seeing here on the stream. So Michael, I, I guess I'm going to uh, leave you with this. I mean, first, if you have anything you'd, you'd like to say, promote, please go ahead and get it out there. I mean, uh, we're a smaller show, but we do have a fairly aggressive following and we are spreading. Uh, we're kind of like heroin. Once you get your first taste, you become addicted. Uh, but is, is there anything you'd like to get out there to the star Wars time show audience? Um, maybe something I would share that I can't post about. People ask a lot of questions on Instagram and Facebook. Um, and I, and I can't respond to, Um, and that is the, the fear of the set that put locks together permanently once you assemble it. Um, and I don't know how much I'm going to get in trouble for this, but at the same time, like I need people to be aware so they're not afraid to purchase it. Um, they do clip in and they, when they snap together, that is permanent unless you break off a little tiny plastic piece in the back. Then you can take it apart if you wanted to. I'm not saying break your sets. 
If you choose to break your sets, you can break it. All I'm saying is that there's just a little tiny plastic piece in the back that just snaps off. Then the pieces come apart and you can make whatever set you want to. Okay. Um, we've, that's one of the main things in our contract that says these things have to go together permanently. Um, and so that's something we work really hard on, but at the same time wanted, you know, people to be able to do whatever they want with their stuff. So sets designed to be permanent. It is permanent unless you break it apart. It's just a little tiny plastic piece and you can reconfigure this in any way you want. <laughs> the lights and electronics daisy chain. So there's not an issue with moving things around or cutting the set in half and doing a hallway. Although we do recommend buying two sets for a super awesome hallway. There we go. There's a, there's a sales pitch. Come on, Baron's Black Series. Two <laughs> sets, buddy. Two sets. And as Papa Palpatine just said, that little bit of knowledge was helpful. So I, I hopefully uh, people have been on the fence once they heard that little tip. Again, it's not an official tip. It's not going to be in the directions and you didn't hear it here. Uh, I don't remember right, saying but if, it. But if you did happen to catch that, there are ways to uh, use this the way you want to. Uh, we're getting a few questions before I let you go, Mike. Uh, Tones1138, have you considered any Millennium Falcon interior sets for 112? Yes, and we do have the license to do awesome. that. Awesome. But really, this is, we need to get this one going and hopefully get some sales. And then we want to do, I mean, the Millennium Falcon, uh, we, we have a list of things. We want to get back and do some of the 3.75 for some of the other people, but Millennium Falcon is on the list. And uh, I have some friends in Sweden working on a full one-to-one scale, and I'm hoping they'll be able to hook me up with some oh, yeah. really details. I did one, uh, another one here. Do you all at this point then have the one twelfth uh, exclusivity now for sets like this? I don't think, I don't think our contract's exclusive, but Disney is very like, they try not to give multiple people, multiple contracts. Okay. Um, so I do have it. I, it's not, I don't know if it's exclusive. They're trying to, but I'm also only have us and Canada. So all of our international friends has been really hard because they're like, Hey, we can't, we can't order this. And it's like, I know. And I, I want to, obviously I would sell to anywhere. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's just, but, uh, that's the mouse again saying, Nope, someone else will deal with that part of the world. Right. But it's kind of like how like Hasbro has action figures for the U S but like, that's why Bandai, they can make figures over in Japan. Right. Cause they have it over there. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, I got two more and then I'll let you go, Michael. Again, thanks for doing this. Yeah. I think it was, it was great. And, and, no, it was and, fun. and hopefully uh, those listening that were interested in the Tantive will be dropping those dollars right now. But when do pre-orders close for the Tantive set? Uh, we're going to try to keep them as late as we can. It'll probably be late February that we have to like really lock it down okay and then and so, last one and i'll let you go are there plans for any clone wars era stuff uh, depends on interest okay i mean we love star wars well i'll, I'll make 
everything. Right, right. I, I mean, there's nothing I don't want to yeah, make. If you had, if you had just, unlimited funds, I'm sure you'd have a warehouse full of every iconic set that you could produce. But right? it, it, it's like I want the interior of all the cool ships. <laughs> I want. All right, so I think you, you answered what Bat two seven nine seven was looking for. All right, my friend. Again, one more time, people. Spacewalls.net. Is that, is that the URL you're still using or do you use another? Yeah. Okay. GTP toys will still just redirect okay. you to there. Yeah. So you can search for it, GTP toys or just go to spacewalls.net and it goes right to the Tanta four playset page. I believe at this point, uh, the rest of the site is more or less gated. Chopped everything else. <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> it is gone. It's just, it's just this. We set. don't make anything else. <laughs> we never did, but we never made anything else. But, they will and they can if we get them over this first hump, right? We we got to make this set successful. And then you heard Michael; they have you know they they have the de- the official Death Star wall sets planned. They're thinking about Falcons, and really, he said it, it based on success, sales, and whatnot. They're open to suggestions. So one more time, Michael Wheeler from the GTP Toys team, spacewalls.net. Check them out. Get those pre-orders in if you want a badass-looking display for your 112 figures. All right, my friend. Thank you so much for this. Now we're going to try and get my uh, co-host in here without blowing up the show, but I do appreciate the time. I think it was helpful for people that are fans of your products and, and we're maybe on the fence looking at the new set. So hopefully uh, you get a couple kachings today or later this week. So I appreciate it, man. It's been really fun. All right, Michael, happy holidays. Uh, you know, enjoy the week, enjoy any time off. If, if the mouse gives you any and we'll, we'll, we'll <laughs> surely be uh, following your career with great interest. Okay. <laughs> I appreciate right. that. Very See you, man. All right. Have a great day. All right, people, what'd you think about that? That was pretty fun. A little interview with Mr. Michael Wheeler from uh, GTP Toys. Uh, Hopefully you uh, fans of the hobby or just Star Wars collectors in general got something out of that. I'm going to try and bring Nick in at this point. He's traveling. He's on the road. I don't know what he's dialing in from, Uh, but let's let's go ahead and try to bring him in here. See if we can get him. And then we're going to get right into our breakdown of the Mandalorian. Uh, so hopefully everyone's still engaged, rocking and roll. I know it's a different type of show, uh, but sometimes change is good. Uh, so let's go ahead and fire up Skype again. Not sure why I closed it. And we'll call our buddy Nick. Nicky, Nicky. Adrian, what's up? Hey, everybody. Figure Hurts is in there. I got to figure Hurts. If I don't talk about it when we're doing the Mando, make sure to... Uh, remind me that you reminded me that I also got a prediction right in the finale. So don't let that go. All right, let's get Nikki boy on here. Mr. Jedi. Yeah, Harvey, the Disney licensing is, is hard to hear for people. <laughs> Nick. All right. He's, am I am I here? Can you hear me? You are here. You're just a big gray blob square. A big gray blob square. Yeah. So I can turn on my video. I will tell you all right now. It's going to look very. Yeah, there he is. There he is. Look at him. He looks like Mayfeld. He's cosplaying as Mayfeld right now. 
He's literally <laughs> sitting in a closet. Yeah. There, there we go. <laughs> I got I got a closet door as a background. Awesome. You could probably see some some wrapping paper over here. Some some Disney. Look at this. This is Mickey Mouse wrapping paper. Yeah. Disney all the way, people. All right. He's so, here and I'm here. I'm at home. For some reason, he's like and a, I'm ready to talk, man. All right. Before we get there, real quick, buddy, I got to fix your window. For some reason, you're like uh, the size of one of my testicles right now. You're very tiny. Uh, it's probably because this is my laptop camera. Nah, so my setup's a little different here. You're good, actually. You're you're I coming in good. You sound fine. OBS has been squirrely today. Like when I was bringing Michael in, it kept resizing his window. But uh, I think I got you now, and you're looking looking good, looking strong. Look at that. He's got his mythosaur hanging out. Whew. There we go. Yeah, he sat on the shitter. It it does kind of look like he's taking a Mayfeld dump. All right, so I I don't want to I don't want to tie up Nick too long. He is on a a holiday right now, so let's get right into it, my friend. And I am glad you decided to join up Uh, after we all witnessed what we witnessed last Friday. I, I I didn't think Nick would be able to just let this go. Uh, so I did I did kind of say like, hey man, you know. If you want to come on, maybe we could do a remote, like a little call in. And he's like, okay, I got to do it. So I do appreciate Nick giving us some time on his break uh, because we all know he wants to be doing some beer bongs right now instead of doing this shit. So uh, we'll, we'll try not to tie him up for too long. All right. All right, dude. So the Mandalorian S2EA, a.k.a. the rescue, a.k.a. Chapter 16, a.k.a. the last one we're going to see for about a year. Right. Yeah. The the announcements. I mean, you know, I'm not sure if you guys have gone over yet. I don't think so. But, you know, hearing that the next series next December may not be a Mando series. It may be a Boba series instead. That's a, that puts us in a big time window where we're not going to see what's going to happen for this follow-up for a while. We will not see brother Din. I'm thinking, I don't know if it's going to be a full two year wait, but I'm thinking at least a year and a half, if not the full two years. And, uh, I'm sure I'll talk about that once I get into the book of Boba Fett stuff. But yeah, that's, this is it for a little bit because they are doing the, the the Boba Fett series next, but that's neither here nor there. Let's get into the rescue. Uh, you know how we do it here. Uh, typically, we'll, we'll give just kind of our, our quick takes on the episode overall. We'll dive through some of the Easter eggs, although according to a YouTube commenter, they weren't Easter eggs. It was just a recap. But we'll get through those. We'll talk some best moments and then maybe we'll spitball on what could happen in season three now that the narrative has fundamentally changed course. I think a lot of us were basing our predictions on the fact that Grogu was a mainstay and that relationship was possibly going to continue for at least another season. We know that's not the case, but really first up in terms of the episode, my God. Okay, my Star Wars God. That's that's a better way to say it. Um, Nick, I'm sure you felt the same way I did as as most hardcore fans probably did. But it was like going to Star Wars church. It was a religious experience. What happened in the rescue in particular, the last 15 minutes. It was a 
I'd imagine it, the way I reacted would be very similar to if a, a Holy Spirit walked into my house. I was hyperventilating. I was crying. I was like, oh, no, oh my God, I did it. Like that type of stuff. I mean, I, I wish someone was there to record it because it was all genuine. It's not this shit where people go on and film themselves reacting. I mean, I was in my basement in the dark, six in the morning, just going to Star Wars church and feeling it and really feeling those emotions at the end. So to me, my friend, the rescue, I know we've said this about 10 times about this show. The best episode to date, if not one of the best 45 minute uh, Star Wars stories ever produced. That's that's my quick take on the rescue. Yeah. I have to completely agree there. I mean, I've seen a lot of people uh, throwing up the JJ memes recently, like the, the the line that he put out after Tross came out, like, well, you know, it's it's impossible to make the the original trilogy fans happy while also appealing to a new, broader audience of young kids. And then, you know, the, the meme continues and it shows John Favreau at the bottom and he's like, yeah, hold my beer, <laughs> hold my blue milk. <laughs> And honestly, that's that's what this felt like, man. It, it it felt like Favreau and Filoni. I don't want to say we're on a mission to prove that you could pay homage and that you could really do right by the originals while also just telling completely new stories and and you know bringing in new characters and everything that's unfamiliar to the Star Wars hardcores while also making them happy. And and they did it. They fucking crushed it. And they did it in a way that nobody thought was possible. Like, I mean, you and I talked on this show multiple times and we're like, there's no way they can bring in fact, it. In fact, Nick, it would be amazing. In fact, I need to do something <laughs> right now because I, I said this on yeah. air. I'm a man of my word. Greg Goose snaps made sure to literally <laughs> close caption what I said and post it on Instagram. When I said very, very vehemently, I will flog myself if they bring Luke Skywalker onto the the Mandalorian. So here's my cable. See it? And here begins the floggings. Ah! 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 There we go. Thank you. May I have another? So, yeah, I'll admit it. I'll admit it. And and let's be real. Any Star Wars fan worth their salt that was like, oh, it's going to be Luke, hands down. Come on. No way. I mean, look what's already happening. People are already like, I've could have made him look better. I've and that's all the stuff I was like, they're not even going to want to fuck with that. But they did. Yeah. And we are better Star Wars fans for it. And the Mandalorian is the greatest Star Wars show of all time for it. Yeah, I mean, you can say what you want, like, oh, well, the CG, blah, 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 all this. The, the execution of the moment that X-Wing pulls up till the to the moment he walks away was, was pure star Wars perfection. Like there was not a thing they should have done differently. There's not a line that should have been delivered differently or written differently. That, that moment, those last 15 minutes, like you said, was perfection. And the entire episode in its entirety was perfection because you could say like, we, we talked multiple times. We talk every week on this show about what could happen at the end, what could happen at the end. And even us two who are die hard, to the bone we're like man 
it really, you know, the way that this season's been leading, if there's going to be a Jedi, it's more than likely going to be Ezra. We get the Thrawn yeah. tease. We have a Ahsoka I mean, our here. stance all there, along, even even last season when we were teasing that Fett could have been the one in the stinger. We're like, the show doesn't need the heavies. The show doesn't need the yeah. heavies. The show definitely doesn't need the Skywalkers. And it doesn't. It, 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 it absolutely does not. But the fact that they went there, holy shit. It really just made it yeah. that much better. And and that's why, like I said, I, I, I was having a, a religious experience. It, it was like out of body yeah. type of shit. Like, oh, they did it. And it's fucking great. Dude, you should have when the moment started, like I was I don't know. I went through like so many stages of like I saw the X-Wing pull up and I was like, wait, wait, it can't yeah. be. I was yeah, like, OK, too. well. It's, it, it, you know, Luke, it could be Luke, but it could be exactly. somebody, maybe Ahsoka got exactly. X-Wing somewhere. And then like you start going on and you start <laughs> going through these stages and then you're like, I don't know. You, Cause then you see a green lightsaber and you're like, I don't know, man, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe Ezra got a green light. I don't yes. Think, you know, maybe, yes. I was and then you see fighting our brains the, Nick, and, the whole time I'm fighting yeah. it. Like, no, they didn't do it. No, no. And then it's the one <laughs> shot where he walks by and it's the gloved hand and the iconic yep. hilt. And I just went, yeah. It's Luke. They did it. They did it. That's yeah. why I like start blubbering up like it, it. And it's a happy sad. It's like it, it's an emotion yeah. that I assume normal people experience more often than I do, because I do not experience emotion unless it's music in nature, like a, a song that I've a, attached to a memory or Star Wars. <laughs> Outside yeah. of that, yeah. I am devoid, devoid, completely devoid of human emotion. It, it's it was one of those moments where I saw it and I, I literally like as I usually do, I'm, I'm watching the show and I, I, I text Matt on our Slack and I was like, I can't believe they did it. <laughs> I was just in shock. I was like, I can't. Oh, my God. I can't believe it. And it's just like that's the biggest like if Filoni and Favreau were on a mission to show you, they just they showed you all their cars. They're like, look. You, you guys thought that we couldn't use the Skywalkers. Right. You guys thought that we couldn't use people from the movies in here. Well, guess what? We're not only going to use the Skywalkers. We're going to use the biggest Skywalker we can use. We're going to use the man. And they used the man himself, too. They didn't, like, yes, his face was CG, but that was Mark Hamill in in the flesh there doing this performance. And I, I, I it, it was such a, and a you know, Obviously, this episode had more than just that to it, but that moment—I mean, I—I I got emotional. The tears were welling up in my eyes. I mean, and then the the beautiful moments that came from that with Dan <laughs> and Grogu Ugh. taking off the helmet and just everything that came from it. I mean, just basically the the, the awe-stricken faces of everybody in that room when Luke Skywalker walks in, and who knows, most of them probably didn't even know who exactly. he was. But you could tell, like. Uh, Gideon sitting there on the floor, just kind of like dumbfounded. Like, oh shit! At this I guy. didn't expect that to happen. Because I mean, he he yeah. had the day one. He had the day one. He had a, he had yeah. Din and Bo exactly where he wanted them, and he knew the dark trooper yep. platoons were coming back. Uh, so, anyways, all right, let, let, let's kind of get into the, the the deeper dive here because Nick and I are popping chubs left and right as as we should. It was just. Again, I mean, Star Wars Zen as Star Wars Zen can get it, it just the, the whole day. And I said this, I think, yeah. in our discord and to Nick, December 18th, 2020, 
should go down in history as the new official Star Wars day. Fuck May the 4th and all that stupid shit. December 18th, the day Luke Skywalker in Jedi Knight form graced live action again when no one thought it was possible to save the day, to link up with Grogu. He brought his little robot buddy to boot. That is a Star Wars holiday. And, And if you listen to my breakdown of this episode towards the end, I was still feeling so much emotion. I almost started crying just talking about the the Luke moment, (laughs) the goodbye moment and the R2 moment again. Uh, So let's let's go ahead and get some of the eggs, because contrary to idiots on YouTube, there were some Easter eggs in here and it was not a recap video. You dummies. Right off the bat, we get one of my favorite ships in Star Wars in the Lambda class Imperial shuttle. Uh, loved how this show, I mean, really every episode this year, Nick, they didn't fuck around with anything. They, they literally episodes started out of a cannon and this one was no different, (laughs) no bullshit, no exposition. Here we go. Um, all right. So we get the, uh, capturing of the Lambda. Uh, I I thought the TIE fighter pilot for just a, a, a bit player actually gave a great little speech. You know, he was on the Death Star one. This is we've seen in the fandom where they're like, hey, do you ever think about all the millions of people that were killed in the Death Star? Uh, You know, the the famous clerks bit where they're talking about like, what about all the fucking contractors? You know, that's pretty fucked up. The the guy working on the toilet. he got Right. So so this guy, I mean, (laughs) it's always war is based on your perspective. Right. Who's the good guy and who's the Mm -hmm. bad guy? Who's really doing the right thing? But I liked his exchange about the Death Star one and and shit talk and Cara Dune. And another thing I didn't notice, but I did read about, if you go back and look, she actually shoots off part of Pershing's ear while while she kills this dude. So, yeah, it was one of those real cliches because I think at one point, too, they showed he's like, ah, it's like I thought he was just like, oh, the the sound was something. But no, she she just blew parts of that off as well. Uh, when, when Din and Boba, a great scene, by the way, when they go to pick up the, the Mando girls, we get to see Bo-Katan's gauntlet starfighter. Uh, she's been whipping this in the animated series. This is the Mandalorian version of a starfighter. I think the official name is like a comic class like that. Uh, if you want to look it up and I forget who it was, I think it was Johnny Osage on, I, uh, on Instagram. But if you look at the ship silhouettes back there, at least on the live stream version of the cast, we were debating if that was the Falcon taken off, but we couldn't come to a a, a conclusion. Uh, yeah, it's kind of tough to tell. There's a couple of crafts. One of them does look like it might have like a little, you know, the little outline right. of where the uh, the yeah, yeah it's got, used it's to got be. like a, a fork that sticks out where the canopy is. But yeah. who knows? Either way, we, we did get the gauntlet, which we have not seen yet this season. Um, coming here and just the the exchange between. Boba and Bo and Din, like she just instantly is like, hey, motherfuckers, not all of us become bounty hunters. Some of us have a survey higher purpose (laughs) because she is like this idiot's back, like the Kool-Aid guy's back. And then obviously she knows Boba Fett. I mean, that was made very clear. Uh, She's like this Joker's back. Like they want us to go do some job for a hut. Uh, You know what was cool about this scene and it's something that i kept postulating when i was like you know just a, yes i will take my lumps i did not end up on camino i was pretty adamant about that but i also kept saying like boba probably doesn't know he's a clone 
But in this exchange between him and Bo-Katan, it's very clear that he knows oh, yeah. that he is a clown. I always thought that because, I mean, he and, did live on Camino with his dad. So, I mean, it. Yeah. you would think that they would have been like, hey, dude, by the way, all those boys that look like you and grow faster, you're clones. You're, you're, you're one of them. You just don't grow as. Yeah, her, her line was yeah, great. So. She's like, you mean your donor? She's like, I've heard that yeah. voice before. <laughs> Yeah, that, I mean that whole exchange, oh, man, was so great. Loved it. And if there was there was any doubts, I mean, we'll get to this when we get to the end too, and uh, you know the the big reveal at the very end. But like, if there were any thoughts from anybody, be like, oh, you know, maybe Boba Fett will become the Mandalore. I don't think that's the direction. No, this is no. I mean, we're, the screen we're looking at now. I mean, again, for and I I let you motherfuckers talk me into this. Boba Fett is not a Mandalorian. He even says like, "I'm not a fucking Mandalorian. I don't give a shit about your cause, princess." That's a, that's what he says. Straight up says, "I am not a Mando." So case closed. All right, people. Yes. Neo Boba, as I am calling him now, Neo Boba Fett is fucking fantastic. All right. He's great. He's funny. He can pilot with the best of them. He can fight with the best of them, but he's no Mandalorian and that's okay. He's got some bitchin' looking armor. The re-armored is what they're calling it. I love it. The matte paint job. Way to go, Boba. Uh, but yeah, just just the whole scene with Casca and Bo was was just chock full of great little references. Uh, maybe not eggs per se, but Star Wars references for sure. Um, yeah. Here, there's I forget that there's just more shit talking between the two. Uh, you know, when Casca and Boba get in a fight, she's like, uh, "I'm gonna do turn you into a back to tank or beat you like a back to tank, yeah. something like that." So, other good little yeah. references. Uh, we got a Death Star droid. That's pretty damn clear Easter egg, except he wasn't on a Death Star. Yeah. Uh, the whole uh, lore of the Darksaber, which a lot of people didn't know and which has now become a plot hole. Uh, why is it a plot hole? Well, because Bo-Katan was simply handed the Darksaber in Rebels and she seemed to accept it. But I'm thinking yeah. the caveat they're going to use is the whole reason she was not able to take full control of Mandalore is because people knew she did not win it in combat. That's the only way they can fix that hole, right? Yeah, that's. I, I heard you uh, or I saw you say that and I, I do kind of agree there because now she's she basically knows, well, this is the same thing that happened last time. Like, you know, Sabine Wren gave me it, and I thought that with the blessing of Clan Wren and all of the other clans that I could just take over, clearly the trial by combat or winning this thing in single combat is a, an integral part of being able to claim right. it and take over leadership of Mandalore. Um, so this is going to be a, a heavy part of our season three speculation is like, where is this leading? No, I agree. To? And, and we can lo uh, lay down some predictions, but I think S three is going to go full bore into the Mandalore Mandalorian plot. Uh, they have Gideon in their capture. Now they're obviously going to try to get information from him. Uh, it, it pays off. And what Esposito was saying that he's going to be uh, featured a lot more in season three. Now we know why. I mean, he's literally captured by, the, the new republic or if if this faction keeps them 
Uh, but yeah, I think now that Grogu's out of the picture, we we do start taking more of a turn into what happened on Mandalore in between the Rebels moment we saw and the Mandalorian. And then what's going to happen oh, yeah. in the present day with <laughs> fucking Lord Din and his Darksaber and obviously Bo-Katan's desire to have that. So uh, a good little reference yeah. in here for people that did not quite know the lore of the Darksaber, even though it creates a plot hole. All right. Red five shows up. Obviously um, it's an Easter egg. And and as Nick said earlier, I I was thinking just like him, just like Nick. I was like, it's not Luke. No way. No way. As, as we got a a fucking X wing or something, it it, maybe it's Cal. It's going to be Cal. He got an X wing. And sure enough, we we find out that's not the case, but red five showing up, obviously big moment in our little boy. R two was in there as we learned. And there he is the man himself. Luke Skywalker, uh, I'm still saying he's uh, Jedi Knight Luke. I don't, I don't believe he's at master level yet. And let's clear up some timeline stuff. And I'm not saying with our own fandom, but I, I've seen other idiots. And I talk about this with Nick. It seems if you write for a professional pop culture site and you're their Star Wars writer, you are one of the most uninformed, stupid assholes out there. Uh, people were taking Favreau's literal quotes so out of context yesterday to run like a clickbaity thing. Like, oh, uh, Rangers of the New Republic's going to happen right after Return of the Jedi. It's, it, no, that's not what he fucking said. <laughs> that's not what he said. Yeah. He said all these projects are in the same timeline right after Return of the Jedi, meaning the Mandalorian timeline. Uh, but yeah. obviously, uh, OK, Luke, Luke showing up huge. Huge Easter egg, something we never thought we'd see. Um, That should be a brown cloak, and I'm still holding out that it is brown, and he's not all in black. Uh, But I I know some (laughs) people said, oh, he's in Sith clothes, this, that, and the other thing. Uh, But now I'm going with the Jedi Knight Luke. And like I said, timeline-wise, again, we're we're still only seven years past. He's still out gallivanting around the galaxy, learning and processing all these uh, Force objects and bunkers. Um, yes. people worried like, oh, is Ben going to kill Grogu? Listen, motherfuckers, like we're, we're 30 years out from TFA still. We're yeah. probably 20 to 25 years out from when Ben makes the, the turn. So let's not get so caught up on the future. Uh, I do believe Grogu for the most part will be resolved by the time the Mandalorian is all said and done. I know Nick Nick doesn't yeah, agree and, with me, and, but I trust me. I think that there's going to be stories told about him, and and I think Matt and I, like I, I think I don't think we disagree on how the stories will be told, but I just don't think that that Grogu is. I'll put it this: way, I don't think that he is needed no, anymore I, in Mandalorian, I get, and, I'll, and then I'll expound right, on. And that and later. I'm not yeah. saying he is needed. He absolutely is not needed. We yeah. know that, but. The fact that Din said, I will see you again. The fact that he was such a big part of the first two seasons and is a licensing juggernaut. He is sitting atop of millions of people's Christmas trees right now. Grogu, I promise you, he may not you know, come in and have episodes worth of content again, but we will see Grogu again in The Mandalorian. It may not be season three. It may not be season four. Hopefully it's season 20. <laughs> but the Grogu thread, in my opinion, will be resolved by the time they put the Mandalorian to bed. So, yeah. All right. 
Okay. And I, I know, right. I know Let's, Nick, Nick is thinking they may do a whole other spinoff, which great. I think that, yeah. That's, and I can like, well, I, you know, I don't know if we want to touch that now or later, but now that Luke is, is a reality for star Wars TV, that just opens up so many different avenues. It's like, if you felt comfortable making a live action CG version of Luke now, what's to stop you from doing anything with Luke Skywalker, doing fully animated, getting Mark in there. And Mark is a, a voiceover master. I yeah, mean, he did. Really I mean, he, what, what he did get his voice back to, and I don't know if they had the modulator at all, but he did get his voice back to 1983 Mark Hamill. Cause his yeah, voice I mean, is very yeah. different as, as uh, Jake, right? Yeah. As Jake Skywalker, as, as he called him. But yeah, I mean, you know, even if it is a little bit of modulation, that sounded almost pitch oh, perfect yeah. to 1983 Mark Hamill. So, I mean, my my idea here is that now you have this rich landscape. You have Grogu and, you know, we, we first had two seasons of Grogu and Din, and now you have the opportunity to have Grogu and Luke and, you know, other masters, other knights, other Padawans, and you have this entire timeline now like you said we're probably 30 years from tfa we're 20 years before the jedi academy gets destroyed so now you have a 20-year period of time where you can tell rich tales about the reforming of the jedi order and all of this work that luke was doing before the first order yeah i mean at at this point we have to speculate that grogu outside of leia is is luke's first pupil padawan yeah (laughs) like like he is probably the first one because, like you said, and we know from Battlefront Two timeline from that campaign that he's not really out there seeking students no. yet. You know, he hasn't bought a building. He's not renting space on Tython and ready to go with his academy. He's out there. He's looking for these bunkers. He's tracking down all this information. And hold on one second. My my uh, brother's dog can open up doors <laughs> like a like a T Rex or like a Velociraptor. Yeah, bring it, Sorry, bring it in. Around. A new guest. Yeah, but um, so he's still he's still, you know, preparing himself to become a master and, and start teaching these students, but he's not there yet. So the, the remainder of his journey, either it will be with Grogu on hand or this is what spurs him into like, oh, well, now I have this this Padawan. I have this youngling. I need to start some sort of academy. I need to right. think about you know, is this the direction that I start? Oh, I going mean, in? we could look at it this way, just tying it to the sequels, Grogu and, and how he trains him could lead to why he goes postal on Ben when he senses that Ben's getting a little dark. Uh, yeah. There's a thread out there on Twitter. It's actually really great. I'm not going to go through it because I know we got a lot of TLJ haters and how Luke was uh, portraying that. And, and I'm not saying I loved it either, but I'm, I'm also not saying that it ruined my childhood like some of you babies. <laughs> Uh, but they were just kind of comparing Luke and Ahsoka, this Luke and Mando Ahsoka. And the fact that Ahsoka yeah. knows so much more about life and about training and, and the falls of Jedis and attachments that she's like, I'm not going to fucking touch it. I'm not training the guy. Luke is still yeah. like, hey, all I know is what Obi-Wan and Yoda taught me. I got to yeah. try to rebuild this stuff. Even though he knows that Grogu has attachment, he himself has some attachments. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, he even said there's a good chance this needs- this experiment is going to be one of Luke's first failures. Yeah, it's very possible. I mean, 
you you even see that he sees the attachment in the episode. He literally tells Din like he wants your permission. He needs your permission to to go to leave, and that shows attachment right there. And this is this is still the very heroic and naive Luke yes that i, I wish i brought it up nick because i know you would enjoy it but someone just went on a twitter thread that that really juxtaposes ahsoka to luke and how they they treated the decision of grogu and how ahsoka's choice is the much more informed one where luke's is still like yo he you gotta think i mean this this guy's wiener is so big right now i mean he a few years yeah. past he he helped take down the second death star he redeemed darth vader brought back anakin to the light uh, he he was probably feeling it he was emulating the legend of luke skywalker that we heard him so upset about in tlj and yeah. and maybe and, some of that and and the choices he made because he had those big balls and he should have i mean he's luke fucking skywalker yeah Maybe that is what fed into ultimately his choice to go into exile. Like, listen, I tried to be that legend. It got us right back into where we were when I was a farm boy. I am removing myself from the playing field, even though it goes against everything I want to do for my family, my sister, my friends. To me, the only thing I know that I can do to help at this point is to not help. Because I fucked up Grogu. I fucked up Ben. I fucked up the temple. I am not good at Legend Luke. See ya. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's so many options now. I mean, the the, the playing field is so open for how you develop Luke. Because, I mean, essentially he's playing a messiah role. Like, he's he, he has to be the one. Like, and, you know, it wasn't necessarily pushed on him by Ben and Yoda a lot. In fact, more often than not, Yoda was like, this dude can't do it. You know, he, he, he's not the one who should be who should be rebuilding the Jedi anyway. It should be his sister. I mean, but now he's in this position to where he is literally. I mean, you want to talk about, you know, last Jedi and, and not many Jedi remaining. I mean, he's the only one in the galaxy that's actually still out there and doing things. And like, you know, openly being a Jedi. Yeah, no, no one so else showed up. No one else got the call through the force. So, uh, yeah. I mean, he truly is. He feels a, a great amount of pressure to be like, hey, I, I have heard and I've read about what used to be in the in the grand days of the Republic with Yoda and all of the other Jedi there, Obi-Wan, Mace Windu and, you know, all of the famous Jedi of the Grand Republic. And it is my duty, my sole responsibility to rebuild. Yeah, that. He, he had the same and, hubris that his his four Jedi had, essentially, like I, I need yeah, to, I need I mean, to fix everything. I'm going to do it. It'll be fine, and then we know what happens. I mean, he could have greatly benefited from a conversation with of Ahsoka. Course. I mean, I don't of know. Course. I mean, and, and, and that still may be able to happen. Like I said now, with Luke coming in this way, these conversations with with important characters can happen between him and Ahsoka, between him and, and, and Ezra. If, if oh, that yeah. comes back in, all of these other people who are still in this galaxy that can give him pieces of information or knowledge that he could use – to properly run this academy that can happen now because Favreau and Filoni were, they jumped off that cliff and they said, you know what? It may kill us, but it also may just make us even better than we ever were. So we could see a conversation between Luke Skywalker and Ahsoka. And well, and I mean, that, that, like, that would hey. be a dream scene. And, and I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. I, I, I'm all about seeing more Luke. I don't know how much live action CG head Luke I could take. Uh, animated series would work perfect with Mark voicing it, you know, him in the adventures yeah. of Luke and Grogu. 
Uh, but yeah. but live action Luke, as much as I loved them in that 15 minute John, I don't know how much I could take because we are still getting some of that uncanny valley. It's it's yeah, gotten it's a, a lot better. better. It's gotten a lot better. I mean, it, it, he looked a lot better than uncanny valley Leia in Rogue One. Yeah, I mean, that's only what, five, right. four years. And you think these motherfuckers would just be like, hey, MCU guys, would you use on Sam Jackson for an entire movie? Can we borrow it? Yeah, can we just use that? Because I mean, I, I don't want to get into it, but but Trevor, I mean, he brought up the point. There, there's people doing deep fakes on YouTube that look just as good as this using deep fake tech mm-hmm. versus whatever you know Lucasfilm or ILM had to do. And I'm not. Come on, I mean, if people that are worried about that shit are, are fucking goofy. Like, if that's yeah. what you got out of this episode was Luke's face didn't look 100 percent correct. What the fuck's your problem? Yeah you've completely missed the boat. like why I mean, do you the, why do you watch thing. star wars it's about a fake shit anyways it's about science fiction yeah. flying spaceships and laser swords why are you so fucking worried yeah. if a guy doesn't look a hundred percent perfect who cares yeah i mean go look at christopher lee's face when he's fighting Obi-Wan <laughs> it's like falling and off it, it, in episode yeah, like tra- it, it like trails off tracking Anyways, it was all back to it. I mean, we all love Luke. I I think people sometimes think I I don't like it. That's not it. I I, I love Luke. I just don't get all the Disney killed Luke and Disney this and they're going to they're going to abort the sequel. Disney is not aborting anything. And those of you with the Ahsoka series like, oh, the world between worlds, that's how they can start a new timeline. You know what they're going to use that for? I've already said it and I know it's going to be true. She is going to do for Ezra what he did for her. She is going to reach through. At the moment, he's about to get sucked through and probably pull him and Thrawn, Thrawn on accident out. That's how they're going to survive that. Because let's be real. Those space whales shattered the windshield of the Star Destroyer and then pulled humans or humanoids into hyperspace. Yeah, that's instant death. I I don't know how anyone survives that. So I really think the whole Ahsoka mysticism stuff, and I'm with you. I'm with you, people. We're getting World Between Worlds action in the Ahsoka series. But I believe she's going to use it just like Ezra used it on her. And that's how she's going to save him. There's never even going to be Ezra and Thrawn out in La La Land like we've been talking about because of the World Between Worlds. It's not going to start a new timeline, for Christ's sakes, because... We would already have a new timeline because it was already used. Let's be real. It was used on Ahsoka in Rebels. So are you saying we already have two Star Wars timelines? Thank you. Technically, we should. Thank you. I mean, and and that just, the the world between worlds with Ezra, it just makes so much sense given the fact that she is so adamantly looking for Thrawn in her episode. Like, she knows, like, she's not just sitting there going after uh, you know, Morgan and, and saying like, where's Thrawn? Do you happen to know where he is? Like she knows he's back. She knows that he's somewhere in the galaxy and she is hunting right. him because she knows by your theory, like when I pulled Ezra back, he came too. So now I need to find this motherfucker. Yeah, and it's, <laughs> it's kind of like, obviously not a slapstick as the, um, Lego holiday special, which at this point in the Haywood household has become daily viewing because of my daughter is back on a Star Wars kick. Nick, you would have loved it this weekend. She's like, hey, daddy, uh, can you put on the the the, the Jabba movie? I was like, yeah. She's like, you know, I'm, I think I'm starting to like this Star Wars stuff. 
And I go, what? <laughs> yeah, really? Wow, you like okay. one year of, of Barbie erased all those memories of you as a baby and me like through osmosis dumping Star Wars into your soul. <laughs> it was funny. She's like, hey, I, I kind of like, like this shit. It was like that. It's like, hey, dad, you're not so wrong about this Star Wars stuff. It's pretty cool. Uh, The sequels aren't getting erased, people. I'm not even going to go into it. Give me a break. Disney made them. You think they're going to erase them? Like, what planet do you live on? You're gonna, they're gonna erase them less than two years after that right. they they were. Completed. Yes, tones. Like that's what I'm talking about. Like they pull them out, Thrawn skedaddles right when it happens. Obviously, it's a, it's a shocking type of thing, but I really think that's how the world between worlds and the connection with the Ahsoka logo is going to go down. But to get Nick uh, moving on, let, let's keep pressing on with the breakdown. Other Easter egg, and, and Nick, this this was a moment where. It almost knocked me over more than Luke, because when when when, you know, the old rust bucket rolls around the bucket of bolts, <laughs> I, I, I literally I lost my breath. I was like, R2, it's like, oh, they did R2 too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was one of those things where obviously R2's with them, but you're you're in such a state of like mental <laughs> confusion and yeah wasn't even wasn't even looking for it wasn't even looking for it i was like holy shit luke came back and he actually looked like a badass i'm good yeah and and then they just throw (laughs) it's like the cherry on top they throw to you it's like here's r2 now you have you basically have a a semi uh recreation of the scene where yoda's sitting there banging on r2 yeah how about that that, nick now you have another do you think grogu and r2 know each other Right. Or was R2 just being friendly because of that exchange with Yoda and he feels bad how he treated uh, Grogu's. Well, who knows, maybe distant relative or or, you know, species mate at least. Yeah, at least a similar species. It's very possible because, I mean, R2 was bumming around the, the, you know, the Jedi Temple a lot back in those days. I mean, he was he was basically a hero of the Republic. I it mean, just, I, I'm it sure seemed, that he had met a lot of It young seemed things. to me that Grogu was familiar with the droid. Or, you know, yeah. he's just Grogu and he's he's fascinated by anything. But he he, he kind of walked yeah. over there like, hey, buddy, I remember you. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then as N- Niku said, R2 did his little waddle dance, you know, that he did at the the celebration of Yavin. He does it. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, just fucking fantastic. <laughs> I mean, come on. What a show. Yeah. And then the stinger and our second plot hole of the of the episode. And that's the fact that Bib Fortuna is back uh, as of yep. this past weekend. The official Star Wars databank still had him dying on <laughs> job the sail barge. Uh, so this is a plot hole. Um, yeah. Bib Fortuna was on the sail barge. I mean, he presses Leia up in the Jabba, so he must have he, he must have <laughs> jumped off in, in, in right before Luke and Leia pointed at the deck yeah. and blew it up. Um, but, yeah. but yeah, Bib Fortuna was back for a little bit, and I wish they didn't do the credits before the stinger because you you know me on my first viewing, Nick, I, I got closed captions on. I, I'm pausing the credits. I'm looking who played who, and I'm sitting there. And I'm like, yeah. Bib Fortuna. Bib, how the fuck did I miss Bib Fortuna? It's like, what do you mean? It's like he would have been very obvious if he was on. Yeah, that I was like, like I was like, how did I miss that guy? How could you miss Bib Ass Fortuna? 
And then sure enough, we get that dome. You see the palace and the twin sons and his fat ass yeah. on, a, on a new throne. I mean, who knows if he took over the hut cartel, if he's got his own bounty hunting thing going or if he was just hanging out with Weequay. Uh, but it is a plot hole. So, uh, oh, well, I mean, this is an easily fixed yeah. one because we didn't see him die on screen. So I guess Job of the Hut could still yeah. be alive, too. No. We saw him die on screen. He, he yes. died on screen. Yeah. Uh, but Salacious Crumb could come <laughs> back. Uh, the Rancor Keeper could come back. Any of them. Obviously, Jabba's singers were there. The one that was flirting with Boba. Uh, it was yep. nice to see um, Fat Bib. And it's actually he's played by Matthew Wood, who is a, a big time sound designer for Star Wars. I believe he also voiced Grievous in the movies. Um, he's done a lot of the cartoon voices. So it, that was fun. Um, even the way they shot the Stinger, Nick direct mirrors of return of the jedi like the screen i got yeah. now no different than when uh bow shows up with chewbacca right like someone's like ah, yeah. and he pushes him down the steps somebody yeah. here he, here we had fennec blasting someone down the steps dude was it was it just me but like i don't know if you were doing this too during the stinger they're they're walking and they walk over, you know, it's the Rancor pit. Ball. Yeah. Like, you know, I was sitting there, I was like, don't stand on that. Right. Don't I, I was, I was saying like, hey, is like Bib, does Bib still have the switch? I mean, I, he is sitting on the actual throne throne with a new throne, I believe. But does he still have the switch yeah. there? Like the with his arm. I was waiting for that. Thing. Uh, <laughs> but even as some of the live, live streamers are saying here, the, the girl, that was the one Boba was, you know, getting close to in the special edition of Return of the Jedi. Uh, I'm not a fan of those edits. I, I hate the CG singer they added in there. I preferred it when it was just yeah. nice noodles doing her thing. But hey, whatever. Um, I'm with tones. I didn't I didn't take a shot of them because we've seen Gamorians earlier in the season. But the Gamorian guards looked off. Uh, they, they look emaciated. It's like they're not giving them enough fucking frogs to eat or something because they, they just <laughs> they don't look as rotund and portly as they did in Return of the Jedi. Yeah, I mean, maybe uh, Bibbs eating all the food because he's definitely put yeah, on he, a lot of he's weight. He's trying yeah. to mimic his former boss uh, yeah. to a T. I mean, he he the, the yeah. diet went out the window, exercise went out the window. But Nick, apparently, right here, yours truly. Even though we failed on a lot of our predictions for the few remaining episodes of the Mando, I mean, I, I hit on the fact that Din and Gideon would duel with the spear and dark saber. I mean, you'd basically have to be uh, brain dead not to see that coming. Yeah. Uh, but thanks to figure fucking hurts. And I, I do appreciate the reminder. Cause I, I, I tell you people all the time. I don't know if you believe me. Most of the stuff I say on these shows, I completely forget the moment Nick and I stopped talking. <laughs> but apparently when we were recapping S two E one, according to figure fucking hurts, I not only set up the fact that Bib Fortuna was still alive, but that he and Boba would interact again and that Boba would ultimately take over Jabba's palace. Wow. Like, I'd have to go back and listen because I can't even remember that. Right. I'm like, are you serious? So I, I know Figure Hertz was in the chat. I don't know if he can he can come on. Uh, come in now and just kind of confirm this. I'm not making it up. Uh, I was prepared to come into this episode defeated with uh, our predictions because, as Nick said, Camino was terrible. We, we all thought Grogu would still be in the mix. But apparently, back when we recapped S2E1 on this very show, 
right here, one of the greatest Star Wars fan speculators of all time predicted the beginning of the book of Boba Fett. There we go. I will go ahead and let the cheers commence. I, I'm just going to say that the, the whole series itself was inspired by that speculation. Like the, John and Dave hadn't even thought of it. There you go. They sat down, they listened to the show yep. and they were like, you know what? This guy, Matt, he's on to something. Green. He's they're like, they're like, Hey, Hey, Kathy, green light this motherfucker. We're doing it. Yeah. We don't even need <laughs> to, to write a script yet. It, it'll write itself. Just, look at, look at, look at bat saying I need to write it down. I did. I don't need to write it down. I, I spewed it out. Go, go, uh, look, go look at the episode. It's there somewhere before the internet decides to delete this stupid ass show. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Arc Lieutenant Jesse. We, we finally, that's what I've been looking for. We got nice little emojis of the, you know, the little party party horns. It's the sound of happiness as they say. <laughs> All right. But yeah, you know, I, I, I hit sometimes. So Tell other people and get them in here. It's like I said when I was talking to Michael. This show's like heroin. You get your first hit and sometimes you're hooked. Yeah. Or you get your first hit and you become violently and ill like, oh and never God. never want to do it again. So. Yeah, you're like, oh my God, that was a terrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> Why did I do that? I'm still holding out hope that, that the Lauren Mary Kim interview is on for next week. Because that is going to be awesome if she commits. She did commit. I just hope she sticks with it. All right, continuing on, obviously, then we, we, we get to see the beginning of the Book of Boba Fett, which we now know is a standalone series. And I'll get into that after we send Nick on. Um, uh, best moment stuff. <clears throat> we won't go too much into this because we've already been kind of dropping loads all over this episode. But I, I love the fight between Casca and Boba. Um, yeah, I just I, I I really enjoy watching Nia Boba now, and I, hopefully all you idiots can accept that. That to me, there's always going to be Bozo Fett, and now Neo Boba. That that is who he is. His time in the desert, and as he said about the fate rescuing the the wretched, really did him a, a, a service because Neo Boba is a pimp. He's got a great yeah. sense of humor. He likes to talk shit. He can hold his own, and he's one hell of a pilot flying one of the wonkiest motherfuckers in the Star Wars universe. Uh, but but I I love the, the just the the tussle between these two because anytime you get to see Mandalorians fight each other. It's pretty fucking cool, right? Yeah, it's a it's a treat because they got so many gadgets. You got so many things to throw at each other. They use the grappling hooks. They use the flamethrowers. They use every trick in their book to try to just just to try to you know beat each other up a little bit. So it was yeah. We, I a mean, we got the cables. We got the the dueling flamethrowers. Yeah. She did a wrestling yeah. maneuver on them. Yeah, I mean, it, and it just goes to show you, like. Even though, you know, Boba's in that armor and, and you know, he is, you know, the, the son of a or the clone son of a Mandalorian like that, that doesn't mean that you're, you know, a, a immune to getting your ass beat every now and then. Like, you, you know, if you if you talk some shit, they will still throw down. On oh, yeah. You. I, and they, they, they came to a stalemate. I mean, I, I would give it a, an yeah. even Steven because, you know, Bo kind of put an end to it. But and they did yeah. ultimately come to a, a, a face off. But Boba, uh, let's be let, let's be honest. I mean, Django was chosen to become the clone donor for a reason. I mean, th those yep. genetics, 
the 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 kind of the warrior instincts. Now we know he had the the Mandalorian, at least the the culture kind of built into him. Uh, so just because Bob is a clone doesn't mean he's a schlub. And, and he's he's finally proven it, at least to me. Yeah, at least to me. Uh, just more of the Boba stuff was fantastic. All those, just th- that whole interaction, the, the disdain you could feel dripping out of Bo-Katan's mouth at both of them. Like she doesn't really yeah. like Din and she definitely doesn't like Boba Fett because to to her, Mandalorians becoming bounty hunters suck, right? Like she, she, yeah. doesn't, she doesn't want that. She wants to recapture Mandalore. Yeah, you, you, you're throwing away your heritage basically. Um, all right. So once they do convince Bo to come on board, obviously, because they dangle the whole Moff Gideon thread over her head. I Nick, I don't know if this even popped up for you, but I was really impressed. I really appreciated her her battle planning and the way she kind of took charge of this ragtag group. Right. I mean, even though they, they came you- to get her, she became the leader. It shows you her maturity, like her her maturation from when she was, you know, a, a lieutenant in Death Watch to now where she is trying to to reform and rebuild Mandalore. I mean, there, there's a huge maturation process that you see even in Rebels. Like she didn't have that leadership quality that she has now. Like she felt the need to start building it once she got that dark saber and once she knew that, like, hey, this is this is my calling. This is something that I have to do. But now you can see that she is, you know, a, a leader and not just, you know, somebody who's, yeah, I mean, who was born to be a leader. She is. Right. A leader. She, she's lived this life. I mean, her whole life. I mean, again, she broke away from her sister because she wanted to keep doing the, the fighty fight. Right. She wanted to be the badass yeah. Mandalorian. So, I mean, it, it's it's ingrained in her soul. And we really got to see it on display. Uh, in live action, take charge. This is what we're doing. You, 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 you do this, this and that. Uh, it was fun. I, I just I like battle yeah. planning. Um, yeah. I, I enjoyed again. Boba Fett behind the the stick of the slave one has become something uh, that I, I quite like to see, apparently, because uh, yeah. I loved what he did. And really, the whole kind of infiltration maneuver was just a fun scene. It was something we really haven't seen in, in Star Wars. I got, it kind of mimicked what Anakin and Obi-Wan did in Revenge of the Sith, where they literally crash land their starfighters on the Grievous's ship. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. but just it was really well executed. It just, I mean, Boba, like, he, he's flying a, a box, essentially. A huge target. I mean, look what those TIE fighters had to shoot at or the turbo lasers versus a TIE fighter. I mean, a TIE fighter, you got that little testicle hull and then flat wings. So if you're if you're flying at that straight on, you basically have a little ball to shoot at this thing. It's like a it's like a broadside of a barn. It's like, go ahead, hit me. Yeah. Yet he avoids all their fire. He's doing those, you know, uh, barrel rolls, shooting them from behind. It just epic shit. So Neo Boba, yeah. you're our guy. I, in particular, loved that they basically told Axe Wolves to go beat it so we could have this female hit squad play out in this episode. I was going to mention that in the in the uh, in the bar scene. It's like it's it's interesting that they just kind of like, hey, Axe, why don't you go handle something else? Yeah, And apparently you know? Simon Cass or whatever his name is, the actor is like, don't worry, 
we'll address where my character is at. I, I don't know if that's like, hey, I sexually harass people on set and they cut me or I'm as dumb as Gina Carano and started doing stuff on Twitter or if we will rejoin Axe. And I'm guessing we will in season three. But Rangers. Yeah, but he or something. Like yeah, he, he pretty much said, like, there's a reason Axe wasn't there. And the reason was is so we could get a, a band of four Star Wars females uh, kicking ass and taking names. Uh, I know some people probably rub them the wrong way because only men can do stuff in Star Wars heroically, apparently. But seeing the two Mando women lead and then uh, Kara and Fennec behind them, if this is going to be the makeup of the Rangers, I'm I'm all for it. Yeah, that's all thumbs up for me. It just it's badass shit. I I love the women of Star Wars. Uh, they're they're kicking ass and taking names right now. I'm a big that whole like bridge scene where the, the the Mando chicks kind of peace out and then you see them rise up like rising phoenix yep. their asses just fantastic <laughs> all right nick's all right. favorite moment of the episode because it keeps up with his portrayal of din and that's the <laughs> fact that din again became a a human punching bag thanks to his best guard armor uh, yeah. but in all seriousness it was a good duel i mean the guy by himself took down a dark trooper Without the yeah, force, give without with no force trickery, no laser swords, with a good old fashioned Beskar uh, spear and his fighting prowess. So, yeah, and his unbreakable face. <laughs> <laughs> that scene where I was just sitting there, I was like, I wonder if just like maybe just the the visor will crack or something. But no, it's just boom. Yeah, boom, you know, boom, I, I was like, man, are they going to crack the visor at least? What is that visor made out of? Did they somehow get Beskar into the, the, the visor? Because the way Robo Boy's hitting it, I mean, it looks like it's at a pressure point. Yeah, you should have had something happen, but clearly Beskar is a pretty. It's good know, shit. It's good shit. Yeah, if you if, if you ever find any in the real world, uh, keep it, smelt it down, and create yourself a suit of armor because you'll essentially be invincible. Uh, but he can't yeah. fight. I mean, I know Nick is just playing around. He likes busting some uh, <laughs> uh, super Din fan balls, but it was funny that they chose once again to just have him get poo, 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 and then literally shot a bunch of times. Completely uh, just lit up like usual. But hey, he came out on top. But he did it. To that. Yep. The only other person that says they can beat dark troopers by themselves is a Jedi. So I'd say that's, that's a pretty good fight there. Din, uh, the, the, just anytime Jean Carlos on screen is going to be a best moment. Uh, I think he proved once again, this episode that he's one of the greatest villains of all time. Uh, and he doesn't have to be a big, imposing physical presence either. Uh, the guy's a diabolical type of villain. He knows how to get in people's heads and fuck with them. Like, let me sit in there. He's just, he's, you know, given given some dark saber history and and warming Din up, thinking that he's going to make a deal with him. I mean, we all knew that it's like Din. Of course, Din's like, okay, okay, sounds good. I got you, Grogu. Let's go. And of course, you know, uh, Gideon turns on him instantly. But it just, I I love scenes with Jean Carlo Esposito in them. He makes the scene better. He makes the other actor better. Not that Pedro's bad. Uh, but Jean Carlo just elevates everything. It does. And what was really cool is, I mean, he's an older fellow. You can see that he's probably in what his sixties, late fifties at the, at the very, you know, youngest in his late fifties. And I think that 
at least in most of that fight, especially right in the beginning when he attacks, like that is him yeah. taking those swings and, yes. and being really physical in his stunt work. I mean, that was pretty impressive. Yeah, and he, I, I mean, I guess we should just start taking Gene Carlo at his word. Yeah. Because he, he telegraphed this. He's like, listen, I, I fought and I fought so hard I broke two of the damn things doing it. <laughs> Uh, so I think you're right. I mean, I think he he did most of that fight. I'm, I'm sure they had to to dub someone in there uh, for a few of the more quicker, more uh, twitchy type of movements. But yeah, he's fantastic. Though, really, the duel between Din and Gideon was great. It was great. Uh, yeah. It was a nice moment for the hero. I'm still thinking Gideon planned to lose. Uh, I think the idea of setting up the the beef between Bo and Din. Was it always in the back of his mind? Yeah. Uh, don't you, I mean, do you feel like he kind of, I mean, obviously Din, Din was, was, was getting the best of him, but I feel like he wanted this to happen. I feel like if, if it wasn't clear up front that he was like, oh, I can take this guy. He was going to be like, okay, well I know, like, like they said in the beginning of the episode, he's an Imperial ISB agent, former ISB. He knows everything. And like he said to Din, if there, if you ever have a doubt, just assume that I know what you're doing. Right. So, so he knew like, yes, he planned it. He's like, I'll, if I can't kill this guy up front, I'll lose to him and I'll put him in a very difficult oh, situation. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and we got that again. I mean, it, that was, it was an Easter egg, but it was also best moment just because, I mean, look at, if you're on the live stream or you're watching the, 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 the pre-recorded version, I mean, just look at the expression on Esposito's face. Like, ha ha got you motherfuckers. It was perfect. It was perfect. Oh, I just love that guy. I really do. Keep. I mean, make him a fucking hero. Hopefully he has a hero turn in season three yeah. and, and joins on because he's got like beef with Thrawn or something. Cause that would be great. I just, I, I love like, that guy. Even, even when, even when he, he grabbed the blaster and, and shot Bo a couple times and then he was getting ready to blow his own fucking head off. I oh, mean, yeah. just fantastic. Look at yeah, that. Look at that yelling. Giancarlo. Ah, uh, los pollos hermanos. Okay, um, obviously the the setting up Din and Bo to now have this beef between them, which yeah. which Din clearly doesn't understand at all. He's like, "Listen, motherfucker, I don't want this shit." He gave it to me, yeah. basically. Take it. Yeah, it's like, please, here, I yield. Somebody get this out yeah, of my Yeah, great. He's like, I, I like, yield, I yield. <laughs> no, he's like, fuck, yeah. I don't, I don't want nothing to do with this. I mean. A few months ago, I was doing a job for Grief Karga, and now I get mixed up in all these galactic politics. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. You know, he's I like, I don't want any. Of he's this. like, he's like, ew. He's like, it's gonna give me cooties or something. You know what? I want to give one of our fans credit here because this is something that Spencer Barron called out as a. Oh no, we just lost Nick. Nick. All right, hopefully. Hear me. Oh, there, he's back. Okay, just a okay. slight delay in connection. All right. So, you were just getting into the Spencer. You were, I think you were going to give Spencer yes. Barron some credit for some reason. Yes. So, he said that there is, at one point, he's like, I bet you Bo and Din get married and he becomes like the, the king of Mandalore or something like that. And now, with this very interesting situation here, there's no other way for Bo to get this, this, dark saber unless they have a real duel unless they battle it out right because he's and i don't think he, do he's he's not gonna fight her yeah exactly if they do it the right way they both got to go full out 
And I don't think that Din wants to do that. No. Like, I feel like Bo would. Of course. Like, of course she would. Like, what's the, yeah. Like, Bo's like, I mean, Din's like, what, what's the point? Like, just take it and get it out of my hands. The Really, the only other way for her to be in any sort of leadership position in, in the Mandalorian culture now is is probably through marriage. And if, if her and Din are, are a deal, then she is the, yeah. you know, the queen of Mandalore there, or something there like that. There is something there. I, I, I think they'll, they'll figure out a way to possibly yeah. work out this plot hole that they've created. But uh, it, it's interesting because, I mean, look, look at Katie there. Like, y- you could tell, as, as we saw in Gideon's expressions, you could tell that he won because of, yeah. of, of Bo's reaction. She was just like, fuck. Where did you get yeah. that? Why did you not bring him to me? Like she even said, like Gideon is mine, mine, is mine, 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 mine. And she, it, it was yeah. for this reason, which I obviously wasn't even thinking about because we didn't hear about the you can only get through combat since the Clone Wars because it was glossed over in Rebels. Yeah. Uh, so it, it was a good moment. And it's, it's obviously going to set up some of the threads that need to play out now in season three. Yeah. And here it is, man. The moment where it finally registered for me, I, I kept wanting to fight it. I kept saying, no, say it ain't so, say it ain't so. Not because I didn't want it, just because I did not think they'd do it. But when we finally get him, he extends his right arm. You see the black glove, but more importantly, you see the hilt. of yeah. Probably my favorite lightsaber in all of Star Wars. And that, that, that lovely green, the vibrant green. And you just go, A- fucking men it it was a beautiful moment and it was it was it was for all of us who were sitting there and, and we're trying to poke holes in our own logic we're like it could be this it could be this yeah. it could be this that was the hundred percent confirmation moment you see the glove you see the green you see the hilt and you're like it's it's luke that was the it's luke moment like there was no other possibility of anybody else it could be it was luke there and that moment, I mean, this moment right here changes Star Wars television forever, forever. Because now the world, the universe is your oyster if you are a Star Wars TV creator. If you now that that Favreau and Filoni have brought in Luke Skywalker and done it in such a successful and perfect way, if you're Leslie Headland, if you're, you know, anybody who's building these these tv series justin simeon and you say like hey i want to use this character you can always go back and say well look how perfect luke was look how right look how john and dave were able to take in the most iconic star wars character of all time and and make him pitch perfect in a tv series and now we have infinite possibilities i mean the 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 saviors nick you're you're audio is getting wonky so luckily we're, we're almost at the end of this i'm not going to keep you much longer but but the, the the saviors and no john and dave didn't save star wars they didn't rescue star wars star wars has never needed rescuing or saving uh what they have done is is added some of the the magic and excitement back to it um you could argue they've cheated by breaking out the, the the Skywalker card, but who cares? It's fantastic. But let's stop with all the the saving and stuff. Uh, yeah, no, it was... Star Wars is Star Wars, and guess what? Disney made the Mandalorian. Disney greenlit it. Disney gave John the money. Disney gave John the support. So you got to yeah. take the bad with the good. 
it is what it is. At least we're getting shit. It's being made and it's excellent so far. And in this next scene too, you can thank Disney because this is a a basically a scene recreation from another Disney Star Wars movie. You get the parallel of the father son moment. You get the 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 hallway moment that we got in Rogue One, except now it's with a green lightsaber and destroyed. Oh I yeah, mean, it yeah. was perfect. It was it was a clear mirror. I mean, when I was watching Luke's action play out, I mean, you, you couldn't help but think of his father. Especially yep. against droids. I, I mean, the, the parallels were just in your face because we've never seen Luke Skywalker this way. Think about that. We've all imagined what he could have become after he declared himself a Jedi Knight, just like his father. We, we never saw it. This is it. This yep. is the first time. This is the first time you see him wielding a lightsaber like his father, mowing down a legion, a two platoons of dubstep dark troopers, using his dad's force choke grip at the end on the last one. Did anyone else notice that? That was yeah, the old. Yeah. <sighs> Just, I mean, unbridled Jedi Knight Luke. I thought I was getting excited to finally unlock JKL in Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes. <laughs> but then yeah. we get him in live action being a badass, mowing down droids just like Poppy. Holy yep. shit. It was beautiful. And in all the more like bolstered by the fact that you saw Din fight one of these things and almost get his face right. crushed in and Luke just walks through them it was like nothing. child's play. It was nothing. Nothing. Yeah. I mean, he's just, you know, doing his spins. It's like it was like a lightsaber ballet. I mean, there, there was no chance that he was even going to be touched. His cloak wouldn't even be singed by a blaster bolt. Yeah. Uh, and then, the, you know, the, 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 the choke at the end, it was just it was just epic shit. I, I mean, nothing I never thought I would see, especially because, you know, Skywalker Saga is dead. It's over. Luke was portrayed a certain way as an old man. But no, they did it. And it was fantastic. Like I said, Star Wars religious type of shit. Uh, obviously, Luke, hey, I'm Luke, blah, 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 I'm here. And, and then see, like, in this screenshot, though, like I'll go back. Can you look at that and honestly say that looks bad. Not not in a static form, but when it's moving. moving, moving. Yeah. I mean, you, you look at it and I think if it were for longer than it was, or if we had to see him doing action with the hood down, it, it would have got a little goofy. A little disorienting. But yeah. Nick, I mean, that was the furthest thing from my mind when I watched this play out. It wasn't, yeah. oh, that could have looked better. I bet someone on YouTube could do this. No, it was holy shit. Luke Skywalker's yeah. back and it and it was Mark Hamill. I mean, yeah, there's this this young, young lad, Max, that was the body double for a lot of the stuff. But I mean, Mark got the credit he got yeah. the de-aging. He did the voice. Um, it, it, it was great. No, I, I would assume most of the action was the, the, the max actor. Yeah. I don't, um, I don't imagine that it was, unless they gave Mark like the force choke moment where he said, well, all you gotta do is stay and still do this with right. your hand. It's like, okay, I, well. I mean, let's be real. I, I, I love, I love Mark, but I don't think he's this fit. Right. Yeah. Like, I don't think he's as, as, as tight as he was back in the, the 80s as most of us are once we hit our late 50s, 60s. 
so there was a body double used for him. And it, it's, I wish I, I, I keep wanting to say Max von Sindown. I know that's not right. But yeah, no, that, that, that it's is like uh, Max Lloyd or Max von Lloyd. I mean, he, he's a, he's a good looking young dude. He almost looks like Hayden Christensen, to be honest with you. Uh, but apparently, I think he was used to uh, double Mark's body in some of the TLJ scenes as well. So uh, this wasn't the first time he was used for Lukey Boy. Okay. All right. And then just kind of coming to close on some of the best moments. Uh, if, if the Luke stuff wasn't enough to get the waterworks going, the goodbye between Grogu and Din. I mean, I might even cry now thinking about it. It's like a parent thing. But when he reaches up. Yeah. To touch him and Din commits to like, you know what? Fuck this shit. This is my boy. And he lifts up that helmet as it's like, oh, <laughs> now I know what it's going to feel like when my daughter leaves for college. It's like, yeah. oh, I just, I, I am, I'm, I'm tearing up just thinking about it now. That's what I was going to say. This is the, this is the go moving away from home. Oh moment. my God, going Nick. To, going to college. Like I, I'm sure, I'm sure it affected you. It, it, it had to affect anybody. I mean, hell the way it affected Blanche Barron is probably the best. I uh, highly suggest checking out uh, Barron's Black series. Uh, the story might be gone by now, but maybe he'll share it again. Highlight it. But he recorded her reaction right after the episode ended. It, and Nick, I don't know if you listened to it, but I mean, you would have thought like her parents died. <laughs> it was, oh, I mean, just sobbing. And I'm not making fun of her. I, I, I told Spencer I loved it. I thought it was cute as hell. It was very heartwarming. But she's like, he's gone. Kroku's gone. He's never coming back. <laughs> I was just like, yes, that is the type of Star Wars fan yeah. I love. Someone that, that loves this stuff so much it becomes a part of your life. I mean, who knows how mentally healthy a lot of us are with the yeah. way we the, the way we allow this this franchise to affect us but it was it, it was a beautiful moment i mean grogu reaches up like dad basically let yeah. i want to look upon you with my own eyes it was one of those moments it, it was a mirror of the anakin luke moment you know luke take off my mask but you'll die i want to look yeah. on you with my own eyes it, it, was, it was a fucking beautiful moment and once again it shows how much din grew as a character Thanks to Mayfeld. All right. Yeah. You got to credit this shit to Mayfeld. And, and Tones is right. I believe everyone else was behind him. So only Luke, R2, uh, Grogu still have seen his face and Mayfeld. But And Mayfeld. Um, and everybody gets those pictures from the ISB computer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Basically the whole the whole empire, the whole <laughs> remnant knows who he is. But yeah. uh, he, he uh, it, it was huge. And it was a very touching moment. It was the perfect goodbye uh, for these two, uh, he's holding his leg as it's like, oh, <laughs> why do I have to feel these emotions? I like feeling like a stone. And then the R2 shows up and it was just more. It was like it was like uh, emotional gut punch right into an emotional ball kick. Right. Yeah. I mean, I was I was essentially a puddle of goo at this point in time. And then they get in the elevator, which, my God, the community has gone nuts with recreating, doing great jobs. I I featured a bunch today. Papa's done one. Optimus Crime, Scale Galaxy. I mean, these are all over the re recreation shots. But, you know, Grogu, just that one last look like. May the force be with See. you. Uh, yeah, just 
epic. And then obviously the, the stinger at the end was great. And, and we get mm-hmm. to, we, we learned what the next series was going to be. Although Favreau kind of blew all that up yesterday, Nick, cause he's like, well, you know, I know Kathy announced 10 in the book of Boba Fett. I guess that's 11. So either they're not on the same page uh-huh. or there, there is a, another show that they still have not revealed. But uh, yeah. the book of Boba Fett was, as, as Nick and I were thinking, this was number 10. And, and John said that they did hold it back from the Disney event for this moment. For this moment. And it paid and, off. And, you know, the way that this ended was obviously like Matt and I kept saying was completely just different than we expected. Like we, we thought that this was going to be, this series was basically going to be like a father son show where you see Dan and you see Grogu and the the growth and all of the things that come along with it. And it took enormous courage. It took huge balls for Favreau and Filoni to basically say like, Hey, this is the thing that, that brought a lot of you here. This baby, you know, the, the memes, the, the people who were disconnected from Star Wars didn't care and then came in because we have this cute little baby now. For them to say, like, okay, we've told this story now. It's, it's time for us to go in a different direction. It's just so – it took such huge balls because – you don't you don't know what the fan reception is going to be in season three. Right. How many people were here just for Grogu? Yeah how how but many how many Blanche Barons are there? Right. Yeah, the way that they did it though in this season was perfect because you if you watch it from beginning to end now you can see like he's not in it as much like he's you know he's playing a little bit less of a uh, you know he's not as primary as he was in season one. He's not as upfront as he was in season one. There's episodes where he's not shown at all. And then he leaves, and they were preparing you throughout the right. season, like, "Hey, get us attached to these characters." No, you're like right. You're right, and I think and- I think Favreau may have tricked us a bit when he said, "Hey, season two, we're going to start getting into more of the Game of Thrones. We may not follow Mando." Obviously, that wasn't the case. Uh, yeah. But I, I think what he was meaning to say was, once we get beyond Grogu, the show's really going to open up. Because it's no longer, the focus is no longer Din and the child. It's Din is now a part of the grander scheme of things, especially with what's going on with Mandalore, Bo trying to retake it, and Gideon's hand in fucking it up. Uh, So you're right, it is is a ballsy move to get rid of them. There probably will be some fans that just wanted the child, even though the show was always billed as the Mandalorian, and we didn't even know the child was going to be in there until uh, S1E1 dropped. Uh, I, I understand that though. I mean, he was such a, and is an iconic character. And it's like I said, he, he will, he's not gone for good. We will see Grogu again, yeah. be it season three or just to, to check on him before the show wraps. But, uh, yeah. it, 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 it was another ballsy move by those guys. But at this point, John, Dave and the cast and crew that they've hired, uh, should be trusted with anything. Uh, yeah. They they are the same teams that are going to be behind Ahsoka and Rangers. John is going to be the showrunner on Rangers. Uh, we learned that, that Dave. Dave is writing Ahsoka currently, and that will be more of his project. But they're, they're, they're going to split the three, well, the four, essentially, Book of Boba, because yeah, they're bringing in yeah. Robert for that. Yeah. Uh, Mando proper, Ahsoka and Rangers. So that... Yeah. The the core unit of the Mando team, they're in charge of all those projects. And those are the ones that are going to be crisscrossing. And I think we're in for uh, some very uh, exciting Star Wars stories moving forward. I mean, some of the best interwoven narrative 
that we've seen since, I mean, even better, you, you can expect even better than what we saw with the MCU and Netflix, you know, like that, that was kind of the first time right. that we've really seen interwoven TV exactly. series that, 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 that do this. And now you have master storytellers right. and you have, you have one cohesive vision for where all this is going and it's being run by two people who, who you know, know everything they, they need to know about Star Wars and how to do it. So it's, it's, uh, it's very a, safe. Hands. It's a thing of beauty. So season two, I mean, season one was fantastic. Season two, in my mind, blew it away, which is a, just a sign of a, a an excellent show that is probably going to keep compounding on its excellence as it moves forward. Uh, now, yes, we are going to take a, a long hiatus from it, but fear not. Uh, the book of Boba Fett, in my mind, is just another chapter in the story of the Mandalorian. Uh, and we will be talking about that, or at least I will be talking about that because uh, Nick is going to be leaving us here in a minute. Uh, minute. We're, only, we're only two hours in and I'm already starting to get the voice. Um, I guess, Nick, before you head out and, and start yeah. taking some shots of eggnog, <laughs> just real general broad season three direction. Where, where are we going? Where's episode one? Where's S3E1 start? I, I think that we're getting right into the Mandalore stuff. Like now you have this huge dilemma where Dan is essentially stuck with this responsibility he doesn't want and there's no easy way to get rid of it. Again, so he's, like, he's basically, twice now, he's gotten himself mixed up in galactic politics by accident. By, by accident, yeah. And I mean... It's not like he can just say, well, like, I'm not a Mandalorian. Like, he is Mandalorian. Like, he from day one that we've seen him, like, he is, I'm a Mandalorian. I follow Mandalorian Creed, all this stuff. So it's not as easy as saying, well, here, just give it to somebody else. Like, they now have to get to some sort of agreement or some sort of, you know, way that he's, he either becomes the leader of Mandalore or Bo becomes the leader of Mandalore. So I think that season three, at least in the beginning, is going to be, heavily focused on this new conundrum that him and Bo are in yeah. and how does this get resolved? We may end up on Mandalore by season or, or by episode two, like on Mandalore proper. Yeah. I, I, um, I think one, th one interesting thing to think about, and I think some of it will hinge on what they show in the book of Boba. And if they do bring Din in for a little bit, is, is there a, is there going to be any sort of a time jump? from season two to three yeah. uh there, there really wasn't much one from one to two i mean w the way uh, favreau explained it pretty much s2e1 picked up right after he flew away with uh with grogu from navarro i mean it might have been a, a few months but it, we weren't talking years and years yeah. so with this i mean are, are we right back you know, a few weeks after what just happened on Gideon's cruiser or, or maybe has some time passed and, you know, they're working over Gideon in a new Republic prison, trying to get some information. Uh, and then the Mandalorians kind of take what they, they got and, and go off on their thread. Yeah. I think that like, given like there is, there was finality for Grogu in this, but I think that in large part, this was a pretty big cliffhanger. Like, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're sitting on this, on this cruiser and the fate of Mandalore is literally sitting in a child of the watch's yeah, hand. Yep. And then, you know, what happens next? That's, that's as big of a cliffhanger as you can get, especially if you're a Bo-Katan fan, you're like, well, what the fuck's going to happen now? <laughs> like, 
Well, you thought that you were in a bad spot before, at least before, if you were to get your hands on Gideon, you beat him up. All right, you're done. Right. You got your, right. your sword and then you're ready to go. Now things are very complicated. So I don't think that we jump even a year ahead. Yeah, I think that we're probably, like you said, a few weeks, maybe a couple of months away and we're still how do we get this? Yeah, I mean, if, if you think about it, this really was about as perfect a, a, of a finale as you could ask for. Not only did you get those moments, uh, but you also, as a good finale does, is the next season has been set up for you and set up in a yep. way that you don't know everything. So you've got that hunger for more. Right. Not not that people yeah. like us weren't going to continue the story, but the way they ended, it's like, OK, Grogu resolved. Now we had the Darksaber drama. Uh oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> how how do we resolve this? So yeah, I'm like, I'm with you. I, th- I think we get right to it. Continue. Yeah, I think yeah, I think we I get mean, we, we get right to it, and I think they have to at least position the dark saber dilemma up front, and and how they're going to go about resolving it because it's huge for the show. It's a little bit of a plot hole until it gets explained. Maybe that if you truly do not win it in trial by death or combat by death. Uh, then you can't you there will be certain clans that will never buy into you as the leader uh yep. so who knows all right man well go ahead and let you you get out of here the mic was getting a little squirrely anyways i do appreciate you you diving in i, I was hoping that my chewbacca would be here for that finale <laughs> just based on how it went so uh, yeah, thanks for sitting a- on the shitter for an hour or so and, and talking <laughs> with us yes all right I buddy them home matt this may be uh, the last we see of Nick in, in 2020. We, we haven't firmly figured out what we're doing next week, but I'm pretty sure this is going to be our last live stream of the year. Not to show that we're not, uh, we will have a show next week, but it's, it's not going to be live. That It's hopefully going to be my Lori Mary Kim interview, and I'll be posting it either Tuesday when the show usually goes live or, or the following day, Wednesday. But there's a good chance me and my friend right here, some of you were calling him Lobot if he moved his headphones down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they wanted you to put him on the side. There you go. <laughs> yeah, it's perfect. It's perfect. Um, yeah. we have not confirmed if we're going to do a, a, a live stream next week, but if we don't, we will be back the week after to kind of do our star Wars time show year in review. Indeed. So don't worry. So, you're still going to be getting your content. You got Nick this week, even when you weren't supposed to. So it was a bonus next week. Hopefully I'll be interviewing star Wars stunt performer royalty. Yes. So I just want to say, uh, happy New Year to everybody. Thank you all for an amazing 2020. Uh, being able to grow the community like we did over this year was really awesome for me and Matt to, to witness and to be a part of. And we're just really happy that, that we can give you guys some sort of content to enjoy week over week. And, and we hope that the, the community continues to grow. And we get some more, uh, you know, degenerates in the discord throwing out <laughs> well, some hate towards Matt and I week over week. You so. were you were their hero for doing the low bot spin. They just they just erupted <laughs> in the chat. I can hear them. They're like, yeah, Nick Lobot, Nick Lobot, Nick Lobot. Yeah. All right, buddy. You got to screenshot it now. Yeah. There we go. Enjoy. Don't drink too much. I'll see you in a week yes. or a week or two. Goodbye, everybody. Right, we speak your name. And he is gone. All right, let's transition back to just poor old, lonely old Matt by himself. 
Look at that. Look at the technology we got on the Star Wars Time Show. Nothing's even broke yet. All right. Are my my, uh, live streamer buddies, you guys still ready to keep going with just me? Just the Haywood Pop, a.k.a. the angry one? Of course you are. Let's get into it. All right. So, uh, you know, Nick and I were, were dropping Book of Boba Fett left and right. It was a huge reveal. Uh, we were wondering why we only got nine reveals at the, the Disney uh, investor presentation. And here we go. It was because Favreau wanted to save it for his stinger. And I'm glad they did because it made for a very exciting moment. I just wish I didn't see Bib Fortuna's name in the credits uh, because it kind of spoiled the ultimate reveal. But anyways, uh, Favreau went on GMA yesterday. That's Good Morning America for our international fans. And uh, honestly, they did a horrible interview with him. Uh, If I was John Favreau, I would call up GMA and be like, listen, motherfuckers, don't ever ask me to come on air again. If you're only going to give me five minutes and essentially talk over me anytime you ask a question of me. But he did get. Or he did provide some insights that. I thought were uh, informative and maybe you will too. So let's kind of dive into what Mr. Favreau said on GMA. I'm telling you, watch the interview. It's in the post here. Watch it. And you're going to be like, man, they did John dirty. These slap dicks with all their makeup on like, oh, hey, how's it doing there, Mr. Favreau and your show, The Mandalorian. Can you tell us about the baby Yoda? It's like, Really? I mean, they cut him off when he started to go into the whole Luke Skywalker stuff and what it took to keep that secret. And they're like, OK, John, well, we got to go and talk to a reindeer. It's like, great. That is morning television for you. John, if you want a real interview to really get down in the weeds with Star Wars, I'm your man right here. Give me a call. I'll send my boy Spencer Barron to get in touch with your people. All right. Peace. Cool. Good. Anyways, what we got from John during this interview outside of people treating him like shit was, was clarification on the book of Boba Fett. Cause I, I know when I saw it last Friday, I was like, whoa, 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 what's going on here? 2021, they're going to do book of Boba and then Mando back to back. Am I going to have to be doing nine breakdowns of Friday? Oh my God, I need an intern type of shit. Uh, I was also like, well, is this kind of what Nick had said before on the show where the Mandalorian isn't necessarily always did the show one season may follow a different Mando. Well, that's not the case either. Thanks to John, we now have learned definitively that the Book of Boba Fett is a standalone series that is set in Mando's timeline and will cross over for events here and there. All right. So this is how Favreau summed that up. So the Book of Boba Fett is actually separate from The Mandalorian Season 3. But what we didn't say in that announcement is the next show coming up, Kathy said the next chapter, and that's going to be The Book of Boba Fett. And then we go into production right after that with Season 3 of The Mandalorian. Back with the main character that we have all known and loved. So the Mandalorian season three is going to be pretty soon following the book of Boba Fett. So we're working on the Mandalorian season three pre-production now while we're in production on Boba Fett. Okay, so there's some stuff to parse out here. A, book of Boba Fett is a standalone and this is the 
next chapter of the Mandalorian that Kennedy said we were getting December 2021. We are not getting Mando S3 proper in 2021. Okay, hope everyone's clear on that. As John says, the Boba show is in production right now, meaning they're doing principal photography. They are shooting it. All right, then they will edit it and then it will release December 2021. Mando S3 proper is in pre-production. This is doing the writing. This is uh, casting new characters. This is looking at concept art. This is trying to figure out what new sets they'll need, so on and so forth. So you're for damn sure 2021, December, we're only getting the book of Boba Fett. There will be no Mandalorian proper. That's not to say we might not see Din show up in the book of Boba Fett. But we are not getting Mando S3 in 2021. Uh, as Nick and I were, were spitballing it, we're thinking at best Q1, Q2, 2022, more than likely towards the end of 2022. But you got to start thinking about Disney Plus and their plans and how they want to entice people to keep paying month to month. I highly doubt once all these shows kick into gear that we're going to get Ahsoka on a Friday, Boba on a Friday, Mando on a Friday, Rangers on a Friday. They're probably going to air in their own pockets of time, meaning the Book of Boba Fett will air December to maybe early January based on number of episodes. Then we'll get a break and the break may be filled with a Marvel show or it may be filled with the Bad Batch or, or one of the existing shows that we know is coming out in 2021. Um, if not, you should expect anywhere from six to eight weeks before we would get the next Star Wars series to air. What I'm trying to say is I, I highly doubt we'd ever get Book of Boba Fett leads right into season three of Mando, which leads right into the first season of Ahsoka. They're going to space these things out, people, for the almighty dollar. Uh, but it was good to get that confirmation that Book of Boba is its own thing. It's still a part of the Mandalorian universe and the timeline. But Mando S3, sadly, we're probably not going to get that until sometime 2022. Which is a bummer based on what Nick and I just said about the ending. I mean, there is a pretty big cliffhanger right there. So I, I'm still guessing we'll get hints of what Din and the rest are up to in the book of Boba Fett. Now, in terms of the book of Boba Fett and what I think we're going to get out of it, and I think Tones mentioned something in here. Because they are calling it the book of Boba Fett, which we could argue the Mandalorian is a book itself as we have progressed chapters from one all the way to 16 now so it looks like we got the book of din we got the book of boba um so i i really think the book of boba is going to play out the way nick and i have have speculated in that it's going to take place in the present timeline so yes after boba takes over the the jabba's palace you know is is he taking over the hut cartel is he starting his own crime syndicate as bat saying in the chat i don't know but I think that's how it's going to start. But I also think, I know, in fact, I mean, they have to, that there probably is going to be some flashback content. Uh, and, and Nick has talked about this since we, we knew Boba was back in live action and that there may be a prequel series. Nick was always going like, now nah, I think that we're going to get Nia Boba retelling or re recounting his, his tales as Bozo Boba. 
So, you know, to, you, you know, Neo Boba may be talking to Fennec in the present time, be like, oh, yeah, you know, the uh, when I found you in the Dune Sea, it was just like me when I had to crawl out of the Sarlacc. And then we'd get like a flashback and actually learn how Fett got out of the Sarlacc, how he lost his armor, how the Jawas got it and really what he was up to during all those years post Jedi up until he resurfaced in the Mandalorian season one. Uh, so I, I think the book of Boba is going to 100% address his resurrection, if you will. Uh, but then it will tell current tales set in the current timeline of the Mandalorian, uh, addressing what he is doing at Jabba's palace. Is he going to start up his own bounty hunter, uh, bounty hunter center and compete with Mr. Cardboard? Um, but I really hope, I mean, like I said, I'm not hoping, I know it, it has to happen. Boba Fett being killed in Jedi and then coming back in Mando can't just be accepted. All right. I, yeah, we accepted that it happened and we love that he's back, but they need to show us how that happened. I mean, it's a pretty big moment. I mean, a guy... Uh, rolls into something that C-3PO tells us can digest you for thousands of years. Uh, he rolls into something that Jabba the Hutt used to punish his most uh, infamous of enemies. I mean, the thing was known as uh, where shitheads go to die. So how did he get out? That has to be addressed in the Book of Boba Fett. But I think the the majority of the Book of Boba Fett will be in the present timeline, maybe getting some flashbacks here and there with lessons with his dad, lessons with other bounty hunters. This could be where Boss comes into play, IG-88, or a Singh. Uh, maybe we finally get the Cad Bane resolution that we should have gotten Clone Wars and how Boba gets the den. Um, so I think outside of how did he survive the Sarlacc pit, we could get little hits, little flashbacks of Boba's career that shows us why a lot of you told me that he was such a badass, right? Maybe we'll finally get that in, in live action outside of what we've already seen in Mandalorian. So I think it's going to be a, a mix of flashbacks to get some Fett lore, but also present timeline to see what he's up to and how his path, how their story, he and Fennec, uh, could cross back in with Din's story and Ahsoka's and the Rangers. Um, so someone that was not a huge Boba Fett fan coming into the season of the Mandalorian. I am now a believer in Neo Boba. I'm excited for the book of Boba Fett. Uh, I think it, it, it could provide a nice change of pace next year. Uh, instead of Mando S3, we'll, we'll, we'll get a different look. We'll, we'll see more of the world that John and Dave have told us they've been weaving and creating and building uh, based on the success of the Mandalorian. Um, so yeah, Arc Lieutenant Jesse is maybe we'll see Han and Chewie. Yeah, maybe. I mean, like I said, I, I do think there are plenty of opportunities to give us flashbacks of Bozo Fett, uh, kind of earning his reputation, but we have to, we have to see how he survived. Even if it's a five minute deal, like we got with Cobb, that's fine, but I am not going to accept it. Hey, he made it out. Who gives a shit? No. Uh, some other interesting things we got here from John in the interview is uh, the fact that 
I, I mentioned this with Nick, but he, he kind of set in stone that Dave Filoni, he's kind of the main guy on the Ahsoka series. Duh, makes sense. And apparently he's currently writing Ahsoka. Uh, and that uh, John himself, he's going to kind of be the showrunner on Rangers and on the book of Boba. It's going to be John, Dave uh, and Robert Rodriguez uh, helping out with that one. So I think having Robert mixed in with the Boba Fett series, especially based on the interview we talked about a, a couple episodes back where he's like, hey, Boba was my guy when he was little. That's why I was so excited to learn that I was going to get to play with him in my episode. And with uh, Rodriguez kind of being the action-y type of guy, I mean, he's the one, by the way, that made Neo Boba the badass with the Gaffy Six. Uh, so I think Robert Rodriguez being involved with the Book of Boba is is excellent. Uh, a lot of good stuff here. A lot of good stuff coming up on Disney+. Plus. And thank you, Mandalorian, for allowing a lot of this to happen. All right, on a sad note, as we're talking about the character Boba Fett, I, I just wanted to mention, I mean, obviously, Star Wars fans knew this happened. Uh, but the original Boba Fett, Jeremy Bullock, uh, the actor that first donned the armor, I don't know if he screen tested in the prototype Fett armor, but this is the guy. Uh, Mr. Jeremy Bullock passed away at the age of 75, uh, which which seems young. Uh, I don't know if it was COVID-related. Apparently, uh, he had Parkinson's pretty bad. It it, um, it didn't sound like things were going well for Jeremy as his life was coming to a close. But uh, he's someone I never interacted with. I mean, I, I wasn't a fan that liked it, like collecting signatures and whatnot. Not saying that that's odd. I know there's plenty of you that like to do it, like to do the picture moments. I know Tones has met the guy a few times and said he was just a gem of a human. Uh, so 2020 continues to just be a galactic size kick to the dick. I mean, old people do pass. It happens, but it just seems like this year, uh, a lot of the actors that kind of brought Star Wars to life when I was a kid, some of us uh, older Star Wars fans are a kid, are moving on. Uh, I mean, we're down to just Mark, Harrison, and Anthony, I believe, from the the main characters, and Billy D. Uh, so it, it's it's getting there, but that's what happens in life. You know, we're all just fucking meat bags that eventually rot to death. I mean, let's be real. We die. But Mr. Jeremy Bullock, we speak your name. Thank you for bringing the character to life. Look what he has turned into. I hope Jeremy at least got to see Boba come back uh, before he passed away. Uh, you never know, but... Uh, we have lost another Star Wars legend, and as Nick did in kind of his little tribute piece, Hamill dropped a tweet for him. Daniel Logan, the young Boba Fett actor, uh, Billy D, Ming Na Wen, Greg Grunberg. Uh, so I mean, a, a lot of people, a lot of Star Wars royalty was out there to honor Mr. Bullock, as we do now on the Star Wars Time Show, with a moment of silence. May the force be with you, Jeremy Bullock. As I said, we speak your name. All righty. This is more of just a PSA for my friends, for other Star Wars super fans like myself. Uh, but the Disney gallery, The Mandalorian, the season two version is going to debut this Friday on Christmas, December 25th. 
Uh, it, it said it's a brand new special, so I don't know if they're just going ahead and they're rolling out like a, a an hour long deal or a two hour long deal instead of doing an episodic approach like they did the first time they did Disney Gallery for the Mandalorian. Uh, but it is pretty cool that that is happening so soon. Uh, as we remember, sorry, I got to turn off my HVAC system. It's making some noise. But as we remember last year, I, I don't think Disney Gallery, the first version, uh, released for a few months after season one. So it is nice to to get this so soon uh, because I'd assume a lot of you like to see how all this stuff comes to be. I know the finished product, thank, uh, you know, thanks to the volume, it looks like magic. Uh, but I, I love getting the insights of of Dave in particular, John, and anyone else, any of the directors. Oh, my God. Sorry, Tones. Any of the directors, any of the cast and crew. So be on a lookout for that on December 25th. And, and as Bat said, it is a, a big day for pop culture because that's also the day that Wonder Woman 84 hits theaters and HBO Max day and date. So pretty neat. Best get your home theaters tuned up. I know I am planning on buying a bigger TV in 2022 just based on what Warner Brothers is doing with all of its big budget movies. So got to spruce up that home theater to try to get as close to the actual movie theater experience as possible. So December 25th, great day for fans of Christmas, but also fans of Star Wars and DC. My man Vader had a comic drop last week, my friends. I know uh, this might not be the most exciting content after we blew our load on the Mando, so so bear with me or let me know in the chat if you just want me to end this and go home. But, uh, you know, I like to kind of do my, my Star Wars comic breakdowns, at least for Star Wars proper and the Dark Lord of the Sith himself. So Darth Vader number 8 2020 dropped last week. And it continued the tales of the busted down Darth Vader at the hands of Sidious. Um, and, and honestly, it, it was. I always hate using the term worst with Star Wars, but it was it was one of the worst Vader comics in this run and that I've, I've seen in a while just because it was a lot of dialogue. I'm used to when it's a Vader comic, he's in there kicking ass and taking names, right? Not not talking and and playing mental chess but that, that's kind of what we got in eight as he uh, dealt with the webbish bog the eye of the webbish bog so it, it picked up right where seven did so vader's trapped in this cave with the webbish bog and the webbish bog's like hey, who the hell are you i'm not going to give you any answers and it, it just starts all sorts of organic shit that lives on Mustafar just starts coming in and and messing with Vader, trying to take him out. And, and clearly we know it's Vader. He's not so easily defeated. Uh, so, you know, he's he's getting his ass kicked. He's kicking uh, other shit's ass. It, it was just he, but it still wasn't the action we're used to with Vader. He's still the whole time while he's ass kicking. He's playing uh, mental gymnastics with the webbish bog, like because the webbish bog's like, oh, why are you here? You, yeah, I'm just asking you questions and you want answers, but I'm giving you more questions. This is that type of shit? And just like, all right, whatever. Let, let's get to it. Uh, I, I guess a, a cool Easter egg that was in there. Sly Moore, one of Palpatine's aides, uh, way back uh, dates all the way back to the uh, pre the Clone Wars, or no, when he became Chancellor. She's the Umbaran, it's all bald, kind of looks like my buddy Nick. 
uh, she was in there. So that was kind of neat. She, she's overseeing Ochia Bastoon. So clearly Palpatine still holds her in very high regard. Uh, so we got there. But really the biggest thing we got from this comic in terms of new canon that it provided to the Star Wars universe is the fact that Darth Vader was given the exact same Sith Wayfinder that we see Kylo and subsequently Rey use in the Rise of Skywalker. Uh, so the Eye of the Webbish Bog actually gives him the Wayfinder. Because uh, Vader is still, he's trying to figure something out that Ochi said about Palpatine. Like Palpatine's building something, he's working on something. Uh, which has got Vader curious. What, what What is he doing now to try and kill me type of shit? So that's how he ends up with the eye of the Webbish Bog and they kind of play their games and then the, uh, the eye gives them, well, really the Webbish Bog, we get to see the full body. It's like a, I explained, it kind of looks like a sumo wrestler, but a, a giant sumo, like literally like a Godzilla sized sumo wrestler. But it gives Vader that wayfinder. So it, it does kind of give a connection point from the original trilogy all the way to the sequel, uh, in particular with Vader's grandson. And as we learned, the Eye of the Webbish Bog was supposed to be in the Rise of Skywalker to guide Kylo, just like it guided Vader to the Sith Wayfinder. So, I, I mean, I, I thought that was interesting canon for a comic that really wasn't uh, doing it for me. Let's just say it didn't quite get my nipples hard, like most Darth Vader comics tend to do. Uh, but I, I'm assuming things will pick up in nine because him and Ochi are, are still kind of going back and forth, seeing who's got the biggest dark side dick, if you know what I mean. All right, one more before we get into that fan segment and I piss myself. I, I guess I should have tried to take a leak while, while Nick was still here because I am on the hook. I am on the hook. I should have wore a diaper today. So let's get through the last set of the Mando Monday reveals. I know you capitalists, you consumers, it's over. We had eight, seemed like nine weeks of straight. Hey, you watch Mando, you like Mando, now spend your life savings on Mando. That happened every Monday. Lucasfilm and Disney would roll out all the new licensed merch for you to buy. And uh, we here at the Star Wars Time Show, we just kind of stuck to the stuff that either interests us or people that listen to our stupid show. So we, we got a few of those in this last reveal. I'll talk about real quick and then we'll get into the fan segment because I'm even starting to get gas now. It's like the, the pee pressure is backing up into the anal cavity and it's starting to force gas out that way. So things are getting dangerous. There's a good chance I may have a dribble in my pants by the time this is all said and done. But we did get a, a look at this uh, Darksaber Black Series Force FX Elite Darksaber, I might add. And if I still collected these or if I weren't a dickhead and spends, you know, six thousand dollars a year on Star Wars Barbies, I would be getting this uh, this collectible lightsaber or dark saber in this case, because uh, it is sweet looking. I mean, this is a thing of beauty. It's got multiple different lighting settings for the blade. You know, the, the, they call it the molten settings. Uh, it, it looks fantastic. Uh, the hilt looks really nice. It's got a good stand. I mean, you, you got to admit, the Darksaber, you know, yes, it's called a Darksaber. I mean, it's, it's a lightsaber. It was the first Mandalorian Jedi's lightsaber. That 
that is a hilt right there, my friends. That is a if you're not if you're listening on the audio only, you could probably pull it up on StarWarsTime.net. But that is a great looking saber hilt. It looks powerful. It, it looks like it could kick a lightsaber's ass. Like if 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 hilts could fight each other, the dark saber would be the undisputed champion of all saber hilts. So you heard you heard it here first. There is there's no debate. The dark saber is one of the most badass looking hilts. It's it's just subtle yet powerful. You know what I mean? It's got the cross guard. It's got the slim blade. It's it's dark for Christ's sake. It's fantastic. I don't really need to sell it. The other thing I, I, that I thought would interest some of our fans is the Black Series Boba Fett rearmored edition helmet. Uh, there's been plenty of Black Series Boba Fett helmets before, but never one where the man himself has applied a coat of matte paint to it. So you can grab that now. Who knows if it's sold out? Uh, none of these were retailer exclusives, thankfully. Uh, you should be able to get them from anywhere that sells Star Wars toys. There's another one. I think it's an Entertainment Earth exclusive. I'll take you out there through the link. And hey, if you want to buy stuff through our link, we'd appreciate it because it is affiliate style. Uh, but we also got this right here. I believe this is the old, uh, I think this is an Entertainment enter, Entertainment Earth exclusive uh, vintage collection Boba Fett Slave 1 at the 3 and 3 quarter inch scale. Uh, and that's up for 150 and you can grab through Entertainment Earth. And this, this thing honestly has been shown off before. I don't know why they're trying to say that this was Mando Monday. Uh, it was shown off before. I mean, this thing is a boss. Uh, if this was 112, I'd be getting it in a second. But uh, this is probably the most detailed and scale correct Slave 1 you can find. So that's really what we had in the last Mando Monday uh, reveals. So hopefully everyone blew their wads and got what they wanted. I know a lot of the stuff was pre-ordered, so we got to wait. Uh, but But no more Mando consumerism every Monday. We get a break from that. All right, my friends, it's that time. It is time for the infamous Star Wars Time Show fan segment where we read some fan questions of the week responses and then, of course, honor those that have been deemed to be top five Star Wars fan artists. All right. You guys down? You down for this? All right, let's let's switch the screen up a bit here. Uh, Let's get slack on the questions to fans. Bossajan got his in late, so I don't even know if I have it. Maybe if I'm feeling generous, I'll still read it. Uh, but I know he wrote a another novel for me here. Come on, Slack, where yet? That's Safari, not Slack. There we go. There we go. Yes, I'm I'm working through our issues live. Look at that. It's just me in the Slack window. So have we been doing? Throughout this, right? Uh, the question of the week, we, we got lazy during The Mandalorian. We basically just asked, what was your favorite part of the most recent episode of The Mandalorian? Obviously, this one being the finale. So, Mando S2 finale. What was your favorite moment and why? And we got plenty of responses, and um, I'm going to go through them as fast as I can, because I'm not kidding. Uh, the old bladder is screaming. It's like, it needs to go. Heidi ho the Christmas poo. 
Um, this one, I ah, shit, <laughs> I cut off the person's name. Damn it. It's like DP Johansson, I believe. Uh, but they said, I don't know what it is, but the little head nods to leave, go on, get out of here, are quietly becoming my favorite little blink and you'll miss it moments. Din has done them a few times now, but Fennec Shan shooting up Jabba's palace with Boba when she freed the Twi'lek from Fat Fortuna and giving the Twi the nod to get out of there just gives me a quiet chuckle. I like that. I know exactly what he's talking about. It's like the, you're, you're safe now, get the fuck out of here type of look. All right, so from Morrow, definitely when the Grogu, I like that, the Grogu, just like I'm the Matt, definitely when the Grogu holds his hands out and then removed the helmet, so loaded with emotions. Flashback to season one when this woman he connected with extends her hand to remove the helmet and he does not let go, but he did for Grogu. Intense. Yes, it was. It was so intense that when I was just talking about the moment now, many days later on a Star Wars live stream and the podcast, I started crying. I'm not ashamed to admit that fact. I'm a man, baby. All right. Scissor me Xerxes got one here. When that single X-Wing flew in front of the bridge of the light cruiser and I knew I was literally crying with joy from that moment and through the post credit scene. The musical score of this episode was perfect. It built all the tension at the right times and made you feel all the feels too. P.S. Fat Bib Fortuna getting blasted. Daywana Wanga indeed. Nice Daywana Wanga there. I still want a Daywana Wanga for the Star Wars Time Show fan base, but is what it is. They're a bunch of fandos, a.k.a. a-holes. All right, here we go. Sir Dork, our buddy, Mr. Explosion, uh, a.k.a. the Blowtorch. We know who he is. We know what he does. So his reply, there are so many. The Spear slash Darksaber duel, Dubstep Troopers, Badass Female Squad, Luke slicing and dicing, but most of all, seeing R2 roll up and start booping and beeping. Well done, Jared. Well done. I don't think there's a better way to break down all the best moments of that episode. All right, Tones with uh, some thoughts here. Way too many to pick from. Slave 1 v Imp Shuttle and the flyover. The way the Dark Troopers had a distinctive Terminator feel. Gideon's Darksaber battle. Luke! R2! I've watched this entire show with my youngest son, age 17, and whose Star Wars fandom rivals my own. I've had many father-son moments with him, with our fandom, but ultimately, it has to be the arrival of the X-Wing. We shared a very special moment when it flew into shot. We both just looked at each other, and not a word was spoken. We just knew. It may not be the most dramatic part of the show, but I will remember that scene for the rest of my life and what it now means to me. Jesus, Tones, you almost got me on that one. <laughs> Fuck. Oh, don't worry, Tone. So the younger ones, they'll get it. The older you get, the sapper you get. And that was a beautiful uh, memory to share with us. So thank you. Thank you. I know exactly what you mean. Um, I hope to have moments like that with my own daughter. Whoo, you son of a bitch. All right. Snap out of it, you pussy. You don't have emotions. Remember that. Okay. Get back to some non-serious stuff. My God, Tones. 
I'm just like envisioning what that was like for you as a, as a dad. And uh, it's, it's rough. Sorry. <sighs> All right. Anyways, back to it. Snap out of it. So we got, I, I kind of got a two for here cause they play into each other. Burkhead toys. A Jedi in action. That was it, and that's really all he needed to say. But then Mr. Muppa follows it up with Luke's whole fight scene and crushing that last droid like his father, Anakin. Great to see him in Jedi mode. Also when the X-Wing flew in, green lightsaber, R2, ha ha ha, an emotional scene saying goodbye. Great stuff. Um, it looks like we got a, we got a live one here from Figure Fucking Hurts. He says, apart from the obvious, when Din is getting his his head pummeled, I love the mechanical way that all happened. Yes, you you and Nick definitely love that. Uh, listen to Liam, young Liam. I I get it, man. I mean, I know you're you're. Uh, I, I think you're legal now. I think you just turned eighteen. I would be looking at us like a bunch of big crybabies too. But I mean, there's something when you when you birth your own human, it, it, it fucks you up for life in a good way. I'd say at least emotionally, it made me as human as I think I can be. And you're, you're talking to a guy that didn't ever want kids. So the, the shit does stuff to you that we can explain. And it's going to sound like cliche after cliche after cliche, but once you're there yourself, you'll get it. So whatever it is, 15 years down the road, you're gonna be like, you know, that Matt asshole, when I was laughing at him, when he was telling me stuff I've heard from 8,000 other adults, he was actually right. So not only is he a damn good Star Wars fan speculator, but he knows about life. <laughs> okay, my friends, we're having a good time, right? All right, another two for here. Drew Toys. As fantastic as the Luke stuff was, the Din Grogu exchange is wonderful. I'm not falling for it again, Drew. I am not going to start crying for the third time on this podcast. It's not happening. Okay? So stop it with the Din goodbyes. <laughs> oh, of course. And then EQU Rory comes in with another one. Din taking off his helmet. It's as if they knew that was my soft spot. Seeing the hand reach up like, I'll miss you, Dad. Oh, beautiful stuff. All right, Kingdom of Weird. Let's see if he can uh, get some testosterone infused back into the fan question of the week. Seeing Din Djarin become one of the most iconic Star Wars characters of all time, taking on a crate dragon, popping three TIE fighters on Navarro and the Razor Crest, red wire, blue wire scene, Fett's return, live action bow and Tano, egg eating, R2-D2 and Luke, the Grogu name reveal, Thrawn name drop, Gus Fring with a lightsaber, all while setting up a galaxy of potential spin-off story arcs simultaneously bridging the gap between the OT and sequels. These series are hopefully doing for the sequel trilogy what the Clone Wars did for the prequels. There is a man that knows his shit. Thank you, Kingdom of Weird. Couldn't have said it better myself. I do think... And I've said this, I'm on record. What the Clone Wars did for the prequels, I am appreciative of. Because it has allowed me to enjoy the prequels now. I understand how some of you sequel people feel. I felt that way at the prequels. 
for many years I harbored that hate, but I can tell you it feels good to uh, kind of exercise those demons. And the Clone Wars helped me with that. And I think Kingdom of Weird is on to something here. I think when it's all said and done and we get this stuff as it builds towards uh, the Age of Resistance or whatever the fuck they call it now, uh, things will be okay. Things are fine now. Like I said, Star Wars has never needed rescuing. All right, Fire Marshal, not to be confused with Fire Marshal Bill, which most of you probably don't even know what I'm talking about. It's another uh, kind of dated reference. But anyways, Fire Marshal says, I like that the first Dark Trooper Din fights doesn't fall when lit on fire, just furthering how badass these droids are. Yeah, I mean, as I think it was Gideon said or, or someone said, we finally perfected the whole droid warrior thing. In the Dark Troopers. Uh, clearly, they weren't good enough for a Jedi, but for people in Beskar or non Force users, they will F you up. Here she is, the lovely Blanche Bear and the poor little thing. None of it! Baby Yoda is gone and I'm not okay, nor do I want to relive that moment. She's out. She's like, fuck you. Fuck you, <laughs> taking away Grogu. Oh, there we go. Super Scoundrel and Bat. They they knew what I was talking about. Let me show you something! Good old Fire Marshal Bill, Jim Carrey in living color. It's where the guy started, man. Some of the most brilliant sketches you'll ever see. They probably couldn't air them these days because of all the PC stuff, but you know, they had Handyman. You guys remember Handyman? <laughs> Fire Marshal Bill. Uh, what was the other character that that uh, Jamie Foxx played? Wanda or whatever, where he dressed up as a woman. <laughs> In Living Color is just awesome. Hey, Blanche, uh, if you're listening or if Spencer's got it playing, you do you. Your reaction to this uh, finale was a beautiful thing. Your love for Grogu is appreciated. And don't worry, he will be back. Mark my words. Grogu is not gone from good from the Mandalorian. Uh, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect to see him anytime soon. So hopefully Spencer back her away from the ledge. Maybe show her gremlins. Maybe she'll get into gizmo and that will pass the time. You know what I mean? But it was nice to get a comment from someone that doesn't always get comments. All right. Radis Force Dad. I like that. That's a good handle. It's up there with Grief Cardboard. My favorite moment of chapter 16 was watching how much enjoyment Moff Gideon had in taking away Bo-Katan's opportunity to have revenge and fight him for the Darksaber. He thoroughly enjoyed her shock and disappointment, even through his own capture and predicament. I love that. Because, and that's kind of what I talked about when we were breaking down that scene. I just, I, I loved how Esposito played that whole moment. It was, he was experiencing pure and utter joy knowing that he fucked over Bo-Katan at the last moment. And again, robbed her of the one possession she has wanted for, uh, we have to imagine, at least seven years at this point in time. Uh, so that, that, that was a good point. It really was a great moment. And, and I think Jean Carlo is what made it so special. Holy shit. We got more of these things. Hey, there's bat two, seven, nine, seven question showing up at the last possible second. Yeah, that's right. Cause Nick went on vacation. Didn't feel like doing anything, even though he said he was going to do it. 
So if it weren't for me, we would have had no question this week and he wouldn't have posted the top five at the last moment either. But he did it. So we can't beat him up too bad. But anyways, Bat's saying question showed up at the last possible second, like a certain Jedi arriving to save the day. Luke, use the force. For me, the top moment is Luke's arrival and the ass kicking he did to rescue our heroes. Yes, lots of great stuff before and after. But that whole sequence was what we've been craving. Luke at his best. The parallels between his and Vader's hallway scene were on point. Dave and John bringing the A game for that sequence. And then to end it all with R2. Chef's kiss. There, I did it for you. Now I'm just OCDing. It's like I got to do it a certain amount of times or life will end. Uh, perfection. Happy holidays to you guys. Looking forward to more SWTS and 2021. Well, sadly, we're canceling the show at the end of 2020. So tough shit. No, I'm just kidding. You really think you can keep me from spewing my Star Wars narcissism? Please. There's still not enough people listening to me yet. I, I love it. I keep coming back. I'm on vacation and I'm still doing this shit. So thanks, Bat. We will be back and hopefully bigger than before. But we all know that's not up to me and Nick. It's up to you guys convincing other people to take a hit of this special H. All right, Nathaniel James 01. There was a lot of major moments. One that stuck with me was the scene where all four characters kicking the Emps butts were ladies. I think it showed amazing diversity and just thought it was so cool how it felt like Star Wars and how many more stories there are to tell from that point of view. I agree, Nathaniel James. We brought that up in particular as one of my best moments. Obviously, a father of a, of a daughter anytime you can show them like, look, you know, girls aren't just always whiny assholes needing to be rescued. They can do some ass kicking on their own. So I agree. That was uh, excellent. And then the last one, unless I feel like reading Bossajans, Wyatt, the, or Wyatt Harden, something like that. Why at Darden or Habadoo, Babadoo, Slabadoo. Oh my, this is a hard question to answer because there's so many moments to pick. All right, I'm going to say three moments for me. Number one, Luke's arrival in the hallway scene. It was awesome, and to see he's either still struggling with the dark side, force crushing that death trooper, or just tapping into some dark side energy to use for good was cool. Number two, Din vs. Gideon was very intense. I actually thought he would have let Din go with the child as we didn't really know much of Gideon's mindset, but it was all very well choreographed, and I noticed the Darksaber looked like it was overheating the Beskar spear in some of the scenes. Maybe there's more to the saber that we don't know. Well, that is so they can sell the uh, Force Effects Elite Darksaber and have Molten Light effects. So there's your answer on that one. All right, and then number three, the post credit scene announcing Boba Fett's show, he's not messing around anymore, Rip Bib Fortuna. Looking forward to seeing what he turns the remnants of the Hurt Clans or Criminal, I'm assuming he meant Hut Clans, so the remnant of the Hut Clans or Criminal Empire into. A very awesome episode and looking forward to the future. Amen. All right. I feel I, I feel like I have to read Bossa Jans. I'm going to pull it up on my phone because I know he was doing it right as we were going live. Can't leave him hanging. Give me a second here. 
All right, here we go. Oh my God, it's it's three sc three scrolls long. Come on, Bossajan, let's do it. The rescue. Some people will say that this show rescued Star Wars. Go fuck yourself. I agree with them. Star Wars didn't need rescuing. What this show did rescue was my heart and made me fall back in love with, the, with shit that allowed me to escape my childhood. From the fucking beginning, this show played with my heart. You've got Slave One shooting at an Imperial shuttle. Are you fucking kidding me? That's something we've all done with our Matchbox toys when we were kids. That's how this episode opens. Strap in, bitches. This is going to be one hell of a ride. We land on a planet and see the gauntlet. Amazing. The Western vibe of this show continues with the boys entering the bar. Seeing Bo sitting there, looking lost, holds the moment for Mando's delivery of the news that he knows where Moff Gideon is. With Boba and Casca throwing it down, beating each other's asses, ending in a stalemate. I've said it before and I'll say it again. We are being served fan service in the best possible fucking way by Masters. These guys are literally geniuses. They risk big, but it pays big in so many fucking ways. The crash landing and subsequent wrecking ball that was the girls was so much enjoyment. They never lose the urgency of the mission with Din going for the little green asshole and Bo going for Moth. Mando's encounter with the Dark Troopers felt reminiscent of Terminator in all the best fucking ways. The value of Beskar is shown in so many ways in this episode. It definitely saved Mando's brain from being turned into custard. Then we get the brig and we see the slithery charm of Moff Gideon on full display. He plays Din cluelessness and tried to fuck him in the ass with it. Mando once again gets saved by Beskar and bests him off, although you can't help but think it's all part of Gideon's plan. See, Bossigen just doesn't like swearing. He knows what's going on. When you see the Dark Troopers roll out in flawless machine synchronization, and when all hope seems lost, we see an X-Wing. We all know who flies an X-Wing, but no, surely not. It wouldn't be him. It can't be him. Even when we see the flowing black robes, we know it can't be Luke, right? Even when I saw the green blade, I still couldn't dare believe. It wasn't until I saw the gloved hand and the hilt that I knew. I don't believe it, but I know it's him. The Skywalkers are the undefeated hallway champions. I don't believe until he pulled his cow off. I told you we were only halfway up the mountain and this episode finally saw us at the peak, surveying the whole new world these sneaky cunts created right under our noses. I'm not crying. You're crying. Actually, Matt can't stop crying. Help me take off this mask so I can look upon you with my own eyes. He wants your permission to go. Are you fucking kidding me? I've never felt so happy and sad at the same time. Then we have the end credits scene. How does this show keep giving? How? Mad geniuses. That's how you build a universe. And there we have it. Another beautiful, cuss-laden summary from Bossajan. 
And that does it for the uh, fan question of the week responses. And now it's time to kind of bring this episode home. It's been a different episode. I started with Michael Wheeler from GTP Toys. Don't forget, if you've been looking at the Tanti 4 playset that they have been blessed by Disney to sell, they need your help. They have the go-ahead to make all sorts of other sets. Official Death Star sets. Official Millennium Falcon sets. But without more support from collectors that want awesome display units or toy photographers that want really nice dios, it may not happen. You heard the man. He sacrificed everything for GTP Toys and Spacewalls. So don't forget to check out Spacewalls.net. After the Michael interview, our buddy Nick came in and we talked about Mando. And now... You got my ass doing the solo deal. We talked some Book of Boba. We did some Vader comics. We're doing the fan segment. And now, of course, it's time to get into the top five Star Wars fan artist features of the week. I have no clue who Nick picked. Like I said, he did this last moment because I think he forget he forgot as he was spending time with the family. So let's get right into it. Here are our top five starting off with at. Mr. Period Jedi. It's like I'm doing my Bruce Buffer impression this time. Maybe I'll I'll carry this out for the intros for the top five. Uh, But no, this is a great scene from at Mr. Jedi. He's been a fan of the show for a while. Uh, I believe he's over there in, in Germany. So one of our international fans driving the listenership through Spotify. Who knows? Keep tricking other Germans to listen. We speak your name. Uh, but we're looking at a really cool scene he cooked up here with some stormtroopers. Uh, you, you got some of the stormtrooper uh, lieutenants, captains, if you will, with the shoulder pauldrons, the sand troopers, that design. Uh, but there, it, I really am most impressed with the weathering on the troopers in this image because they're, they're just kind of it's like they're out on a scout they're looking for something or, or, or two troopers came in they're rescuing other troopers that may have gotten their asses kicked and then they're kind of scouting the, the scene out like hey what the hell happened how how did joe and bob get taken out uh, but we got some great practical effects there it, it looks like a lot of the the set the diorama is practical and then there's probably some digirama behind it it's just a very pleasing looking shot of the empire's bucket heads doing their thing which is looking lost and not actually shooting rebels. Um, Belgium, sorry, he's he's not from Germany, it's Belgium. My bad, Mr. Jedi, we got it corrected. Oh, thanks, Tones. These guys, he's like, think of an ice fall waterfall, knowing that I, if, if you could see my legs shaking right now, I'm sure you see my upper body shaking if you're on the live stream, but my, my lower legs are going so fast right now doing the pee dance. It's insane. Like, I, I don't even know how my cat's still sitting on the seat because it's vibrating so much. I figured she would have just vibrated and rolled off by now. But anyways, back to at Mr. Jedi. It's just, it's just a very pleasing shot of some stormtroopers. Uh, it's a great, uh, the staging's well done. You got some nice posing in there. And like I said, it's a, it's a good mix of, of practical uh, effects with, I believe, a, a Digirami bra- uh, background. But correct me if I'm wrong, Mr. Jedi, because you are in the live chat. Uh, but if you're not following, make sure to check out at Mr. Jedi on Instagram. All right. 
good looking stuff. And, and really his muse seems to be the empire. Uh, so if you're into shots of stormtroopers and whatnot, Mr. Jedi has got you covered. All right. This one literally went out this morning. Uh, I, I did a, a, a big massive share because the community as expected went nuts after the Luke reveal on Mando, um, everyone or those at least have motivation. Unlike my lazy, unmotivated ass broke out every size of their Luke Skywalker return of the Jedi figures and recreated some of the scenes and at underscore M a U one, eight, two underscore was no different. He went with the scene where uh, Luke is walking into the control room. You know, you get kind of that smoke follows him in. He still has the uh, he still has the hood on. And, you know, we're like, oh, is it Luke? Is it Luke? He does the flip up and we're like, oh, my God, it's Luke. Luke is back. All that stuff. But anyways, at Mal182 did a, a very, very, very pristine looking recreation of that shot. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's simple, but it's done in a way that evokes, uh, that, that, that makes you feel like this is a, a perfect shot. Uh, it, it's excellent. You get a little bit of Luke's eyes peeking from the hood. Uh, there's great use of, uh, haze in there. I don't know if it's uh, post uh, VFX haze or if it's practical haze, but at underscore MAU 182 underscore just did a, a really bang up dro- job on this Luke Skywalker in Mandalorian walking through the uh, bridge doors moment scene. Uh, there was other ones out there. I mean, Black Series did a real nice one. I think Marky Mark did a really nice one. There's been a ton. I mean, so many I can't share them all. I put some in stories. Some are getting features. Uh, but I've just, as always, blown away by the Star Wars fan artist community and the uh, homages they, they instantly create after Star Wars touches them. No, not in that manner, you weirdos, but, you know, touches their soul, makes them feel happy. That Star Wars Zen I've been talking about. So check them out. I think this is a first time top five. So at one more time at underscore M-A-U-182 underscore. This is another one I think that got shared today. So maybe Nick was getting uh, a little lazy. Uh, Not that this isn't a great shot and not deserving of a top five, but this one's from at clone underscore trooper underscore foe P-H-O. All right. Oh, great. Kung, Kung Fu is saying I'm, I'm going to get sued with some copyright stuff that our government, the American government, seemingly slid into one of the ra- uh, latest relief bills. But that, that's how we roll. To get anything that helps the American public, usually our politicians have to fuck us up in, in some other manner. It's called the good old fashioned reach around. Anyways, back to at clone trooper foe. Uh, we got a nice outdoor shot. It looks like here using some boom booms, some some fireworks. Shits all over the place, and it is it is classic Din Djarin. So he's sitting there. It's like a snowscape. You've got some bucket heads, bodies strewn across the ground. So really, the image just it looks like Din. 
you know, he might have done his thing where he acts like a punching bag and a bullet sponge. But as we know, he usually comes out on top and in spectacular fashion. So it's a shot of not full Beskar Din. Like I said, just kicking the hell out of a bunch of stormtroopers. In fact, he's got his pulse rifle and his leg up on on one of them like he just, you know, shot a prized uh, 15 point buck. Uh, so it, it, it's a very Mando s type of shot. And, and really the, the, the fireworks in the background give you that this guy just kicked major ass and definitely did not take anyone's name while he did it. And this comes from at clone underscore trooper underscore P H O. And now here's, here's Spencer in the live chat doing drip, 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 drip. Drip four hour show Spencer where you been we've been that's all we've been doing is four hour shows recently that's become the new thing hell this this one went way longer than I thought doing an interview and having to run the back half by myself clearly I've got a lot of hot air to expel and this is like my weekly uh, moment to do it I'm starting to think if I don't do this every week my head will just explode from Star Wars air gas building up uh, at least it's at least now coming out the other end to relieve pressure on the old prostate. Cause she is like, please, please go pee release the Kraken. All right, moving on. Hey, it's like I said, a lot of you star Wars fan artists were out there wanting to pay tribute to Mandalorian S 2 E eight, the rescue. And of course we had to get one there from our buddy at super scoundrel. One of the greatest real ass painters around, especially in the star Wars fan artist space. He did his version of Luke walking through the bridge doors and again, just just excellent. It's got everything we love about Super Scoundrel. It's got that 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 sexy vector art shine to it, the vector art edginess, the lighting. It just really is. I mean, uh, vector art. Thanks to people like Super Scoundrel, uh, this other guy, uh, Mexi Funk, Orlando Aracena. It really is one of my favorite forms of real ass painting. Not that I know any other forms of real ass painting. I mean, I guess there's illustrations and watercolors and all that stuff. But the 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 vector stuff, my God. I mean, look at this. Look at at super underscore scoundrel if you're listening on the radio. Check him out on Instagram. As I say, every single time he makes the top five, even sometimes when he doesn't make the top five, I want this man's work collected in a book fine if we can't do the uh, aluminum foil type of pages i'll take extra glossy super thick pages devin but we need this stuff we need it it's art this isn't luke skywalker you can sell it it's 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 duke stark killer right it's like the bootleg stuff just change the names and sell the shit or give me one, and then you don't have to worry about being sued, okay? Either way, we need a book of all of at Super Scoundrel's Star Wars art. Stat. Pronto. Today. Seriously, though, check them out. If you love Star Wars fan art, you're, you're not going to find a better page out there, especially in the vector art scene. So, at Super underscore Scoundrel. 
we speak your name. And up next, we have another returning top five uh, champion. And of course, it, it should be no surprise as to why uh, this artist tends to make a lot of top fives like Super Scoundrel, Papa Palpatine. And I'm talking about at visual underscore approach underscore photography. I hate underscores and usernames. Shit. Just pick something different. <laughs> Oh, underscores, so many underscores. But no, seriously, at at Visual Approach Photography, one of the best in the business, uh, at least when it comes to posing dynamic action scenes. Uh, I mean, this guy, the shot we're looking at here, we've got Clone Wars Ahsoka, we've got the Armorer, we've got Din, we've got the Heavy, we've got now the Visual Approaches. I'm starting to think it's like his calling card in his shots where you have a... Is some form of stormtrooper's head floating in midair because Din has just evaporated his body with the pulse rifle. Uh, the only thing this shot is missing is little Grogu flying around on on uh, Boba Fett's jetpack wearing his helmet. But I, I think that was reserved to his uh, cantina shots that he was doing. This this is if you've been following at visual approach photography, he's got a few dioramas that uh, we see now and then. This is what I call like his church diorama, and it feels like we're looking at again what Star Wars church would be because you got Ahsoka, she's up there kind of flying into a trooper with her sword spread out. The armor has IG-88's battle axe. She's whacking out some bucket heads. Like I said, Din evaporated a remnant. Then you see the heavies back there wielding the helicopter gun. It's just a, it's a super dynamic scene. The posing's great, the color grading, the effects. I mean, at Visual Approach Photography, I've said it before, he's one of my uh, personal favorites out there. Uh, just, just keeps getting bigger and better building all of his own sets. I mean, everything you see in this image, my friends, if you're on the live stream or if you pull it up after the fact on starwarstime.net, I would, I would assume Sean has crafted outside the figures. You know what I mean? Uh, so the, the guy's a talent and never disappoints when he shares a shot on Instagram and uses Hashtag Star Wars Time Show. The greatest hashtag of all time. And I believe we're about to roll 50,000 uses of hashtag Star Wars Time Show. So thank you to the community. Again, if you want to get mixed up in this, if you're someone like me that likes to hear other people talk about you in, in using positive phrases, then follow us. Follow us. Get on Instagram. Follow at Star Wars Time Show. Tag us in all your Star Wars creations. It doesn't have to be toy photography. It doesn't have to be real ass paint, which for normal people is art. We're just stupid. And that's what we call it here. Yes, we have fun. We have a lot of in the know stuff in the club type of sayings. So if you're into that type of deal, into those types of hangouts, maybe you should join the Star Wars time show. We do this thing weekly. We do the uh, featuring artists daily, the top fives weekly, but artist features are daily. So like I said, any Star Wars art you create, if you share it on IG, tag at Star Wars Time Show and also use hashtag Star Wars Time Show. And then you too, like Visual Approach, like Super Scoundrel, like Clone Trooper Foe, like Mr. Jedi, like Mao 182 you all can experience 
the immortality that the Star Wars Time Show can give you by being honored on its iconic Top 5 Star Wars Fan Artist Features of the Week segment. Got it? Good. That's it. I'm done. See ya! (laughs) Uh, All right, my friends. It's been real. Uh, so before I say goodbye, before I do the dance and, and, you know, basically say the same shit over and over and over again until I sign off, uh, like Nick, I do want to thank all of you. Uh, this year has been the most fun I've had doing the star Wars time show. Uh, I've been doing the star Wars time show with Nick for years. I mean, years and years. We talked about, we started on when I still was running entertainmentboo.com, it was just part of all the Buddha podcasts we do. Uh, but we, we, we did probably 100, 150 episodes there. We're, we're up to 142 here already. But 2020, outside of all the other bullshit that happened, this was the year where I finally feel like we've, we've established ourselves with enough people that I feel like we actually do have a little bit of a show, a family, a following. And it makes doing this every Tuesday that much more fun. The live streams, yeah, all the technical shit aside, have been a blast. I mean, this is like my my moment every week where I know I get to sit around for hours on end, talk with my buddy Nick about Star Wars, but also now talk about with a much larger group of friends. And we are becoming friends. You know, some of you may piss me off in Discord, but no, it's it's all in good fun. Uh, I, I get I get worked up sometimes just like some of you get worked up. Uh, but I do appreciate what has happened to the Star Wars Time Show in 2020. But you know me. It's not enough. It is not enough. And this isn't I know it's almost like a like I'm cutting a wrestling promo when I get in this. And sometimes it is. But I'm being serious. And this this may sound very narcissistic. Uh, if not entitled, but this is how I believe. I really do think that Nick and I put on a damn good show. I think we're, we're, we've gotten a lot better at this. Uh, I think it's fun. It's different. It's not like all the other Star Wars fan podcasts I've dabbled in. It's not just two nerds talking in a monotone manner, agreeing on everything. You know, I might piss some of you off now and then with my stances, but it's to keep things different, to bring a different energy to a Star Wars fan podcast. And, you know, I hope to keep doing that. But you know me, I, I want more. I need more. I am someone that feels like we should be listened to by a much larger audience. And I know the sound, I sound like a whiny child, but I'm being serious. I, I, the, the effort we put in, the feedback I've received from a few of you super fans. Now, maybe that's a problem. You're super fans and you're not telling me the real deal. But, but I feel like we are a show that thousands of people should tune into every week. And while we, we've hit that, you know, 2,000, 2,500 a month, it's still not where I think we should be. Never I'm going to say do we deserve something, but I do think what we do warrants a larger audience. Fuck those idiots that get posted on Reddit for supposedly leaking something and that's how they build a following. Our following is legit. We're hardcore. You guys know my knowledge. You know Nick's knowledge. You know what we do. Um, So keep doing it. Keep, Keep pounding that drum, tooting those horns. 
I know anyone in here right now, you motherfuckers, you're, you're the, you're the loyal soldiers. I get it. I know I'm preaching to the choir. You've done, you've gone out, you have whipped star Wars time show, but keep it up. Don't ever rest because in 2020, 2021, I, I want this thing to get bigger and better. Better, maybe not, because that's what I control. But bigger, yes. That's all I'm asking for. The days when we have thousands of people in here and the chat's going by so fast that no one knows what the fuck's going on, that's what I'm looking for. That's what will make me feel like I finally have achieved something. That's not to discount all the great stuff you have told me, every one of you. I do appreciate it. But I, I've, as I explained, I have a, a black hole in my soul over this star Wars stuff. And until I feel that that has been filled, you're going to get this, these mea culpas from me, but I do think we earn it. We do. We've earned it. We are fucking awesome for Christ's sakes. Why am I whining about it? You guys know what I'm talking about. Get out there and sell this son of a bitch in 2021. Let's really get this party popping off in 2021. But to, to bring it all back home, I do. I, I love all of you. This is, this is, it's been fun stuff. The, the Discord crew, the live stream crew, the IG DM crew. I look at it all. Nick may tune out after the show and leave all this alone. That's fine. That's, that's what he wants. Me, just know. I look at everything personally and, and I appreciate it. So thank you. Now give me some more fucking followers. All right. That's enough being nice. <laughs> Uh, all right, so uh, this is kind of how Star Wars Time Show is going to play out over the next couple weeks. Next week, I'll be doing my interview offline with Lauren Mary Kim. Look her up on IMDb. Hell, look her up on Wikipedia. That's how much Star Wars she has done. Uh, she was the stunt performer for Ahsoka Tano in the Clone Wars with Ray Park. She has doubled Ming-Na Wen. She doubled Diana Lee in Asanto. Uh, she doubled Mercedes Varnados, a.k.a. Sasha Banks. Uh, so I'm having her on next week. We're going to chat offline unless she cancels last minute. And I hope to post that interview uh, either next Tuesday or Wednesday. I really do think Nick and I are going to take a break from the lives next week. Uh, but we will come back in January, our first show in January, or the week after next. We'll be back. We'll be live. And that's when we'll kind of do our Star Wars time show year in review. Uh, I'm thinking maybe do top 10 fan arts features of the year. And then Nick and I will probably, you know, work through a listicle of some sorts about the best moments the best Star Wars moments of 2020. Hell, maybe even the best Star Wars tie show moments of 2020. Not that there are many because we are still an insignificant speck of dust in the Star Wars galaxy. Alas, it is time to say goodbye and do that dance on over to StarWarsTime.net. Uh, if you're new to this and you feel like sticking around, <laughs> you've been uh, fooled. No, seriously, I appreciate it. But if you are, if you do want to stick around and you want to get looped into all of our, our content, where to find the show on YouTube, where to find the show on the podcast platforms, please go to StarWarsTime.net. Once you get there, you can check out all the topics that Nick and I kind of stew on throughout the week and then talk about or vomit up stuff about on the Star Wars Time show, which we usually do every Tuesday on YouTube. Uh, so on StarWarsTime.net, you can find all the podcast platforms, Apple, Google, 
Spotify, Pandora, Stitcher, Tune, and Deezer. We'll give you the RSS feed. We'll give you an email link to it. There's no way to miss the Star Wars Time Show on the podcast platforms. If you're more into the YouTube stuff, and, and I do implore you to please subscribe, please, pretty please, because not only do we do the live streams on YouTube, uh, but I do my Star Wars comic book breakdowns on YouTube, my this was an awesome Star Wars show here, it's Easter eggs, this, that, and the other thing. So uh, I, I really want to see the YouTube audience grow in 2021. Uh, None of this sub 1,000 subs shit. That's got to end. We got to get over 1,000. Hell, I went 10,000. No, 20,000. Nay, 100,000 fans. Good luck with that, right? (laughs) I'd have to do something viral like taking a shit on a doorstep and singing the Star Wars song or something because we all know how stuff goes viral these days. Uh, But in all seriousness, my friends, StarWarsTime.net. Get looped in with the podcast platforms. If you haven't done so already, leave a rating and review on your podcast platforms. If you're a YouTuber, please like this live stream, comment on the live stream, and of course, subscribe to the YouTube channel with notifications. And as always, just like the clap, don't forget to pass it on to your friends. Because we know, us in this little club, we know there's always time for Star Wars time. But does the rest of the fandom know that? It is up to us to fill them in. Because there is always time for Star Wars time. And if you listen to the Star Wars time show... The Force will be with you always. (laughs) 